and you're listening to Don's Cast, an unofficial fan podcast about the greatest Australian football team, the Essendon Bombers. My name is Jamie. And I'm Nick. And mate, today knocks up the 100. We've got 100 episodes in the book. Uh, well, we will be by the end of this show, um, which is a great effort. And I uh, just want to say thank you, mate, for uh, putting up with me for the last 100 episodes. Oh, mate, the thanks you go to the listeners, uh, you poor bastards. <laughs> 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 no, we've uh, we've cracked the ton. Um, so, the, you know, who'd have thought we'd ever got to this stage? Um, you know, it's uh, I know it's been a fun little project for us. So hopefully... Uh, you know, definitely we've got some enjoyment out of it. Hopefully some of the listeners have. Um, yeah, certainly, uh, uh, you know, I guess at that stage, James, you know, we're pretty lowly club at the moment and, uh, you know, we're looking forward to brighter things and here we are three years later. <laughs> <laughs> nah, well, but I will say, like, it does feel, even though, you know, at the, I guess the schmozzle, the CEO appointment was, um does feel different. This feels like a change that may actually equate to something. Um, you know, like, you know, maybe I'm being too much blind faith in it, but um, certainly seems like, uh, you know, Dave Barham uh, has got the best interest at heart of the footy club, and that's all you can ask of your president. Um, yep, yeah. yeah, he admits himself he's made a few uh, early blues. Uh, but like I said... Um, I think people need to understand it's not just him making a call. Like it's not the president goes, right, I'm doing this, 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 and this. Still needs, yeah, that board support to go along with it. So he's not a cowboy. Um, and I believe, like, with the review going on, uh, EMY or Ernest and Young would have to have some input in some of these decisions. Yep. Um, so that's just my opinion. And um, yeah, so I think he's copping a lot of. Uh, brunt for this, uh, but he's got a lot of support too. When you hear Matthew Lloyd, uh, Brendan Goddard, there's a number of players like Andrew Welsh who mm. um, really seem excited of the, um, you know, of the of the developments of um, what's happening, um, you know, within the footy club with this latest challenge. Um, so, you know, it's a really good decision by him. Uh, yeah. It hasn't been uh, bulletproof. Yeah, there's been some incidents, but if, I, if it if it's a bit of teething problems to fix, you know, what's been a well almost an eighteen year problem, um, we have to suffer the short term pain for a long term gain. It's just an old saying, but um, can be true. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> don't know about teething and. Short term, uh, <laughs> yeah, but um, look, you know, it's done, they've ripped the band aid off, um, and forward we march. Um, so no, I, I think there's a, a sign for real change. I mean, you know, it's it's proper change, like CEO, president, um, four board members all gone, um, because effectively they were, yeah, they realized there was different beliefs and you can't have an ununified board, and uh, finally they've uh, They've done something about it. So um now uh there is definitely reason for uh uh for you know for hope. Um and uh yeah, I guess that's going into the twenty twenty three season under Brad Scott. Now mate, we've got a different kind of show today. We've actually got three of our favorite guests who have joined us um over the last three years since we've mm. been uh doing this podcast. Um 
we're very lucky to have one of the first people to welcome us to the world of podcasting in uh, Scooter McNeese, um, who, you know, uh, we really appreciate, like, you know, his input in our early days as, um, you know, we were, we were very novice and some would say we haven't really developed um, <laughs> some of the Essendon players, but um, look, um, we are trying. Um, yeah, some know, would say very trying. Yeah, and some might suggest we need a new coach, but, um, yeah, <laughs> like, uh, we're, we're still, you know, got our heart and soul in it and we love the footy club and, um, yeah, so Scooter's uh, agreed to join us. Uh, we then have... Um, a good friend, Paul Cousins, um, who, again, is just one of the most oh, accommodating guys you can imagine. And uh, has, as good as he sounds on radio, he's like that as a person that we've had uh, dealings with. Um, so he's really genuine, you know, really gives you what he can. Like, obviously, some things are sensitive, but, like, what he can speak about, he says it and it really has, um, you know, it's been really insightful to me someone like that who's been a former board member and then still has the passion. And, uh, mate, he lives up my way of town and he crosses the city to get to um, the hangar and stuff like that and follow our VFL team around. It's just amazing. So mm. really great chat with him coming up. And finally, mate, um, you know, I always say you're the assistant coach of the greatest side ever in Robert Shaw. Um, he'll join us as well. And he has some strong opinions, I believe, on uh, where the club's currently at and where it's heading. And, um, yeah, so it's always insightful talking to Robert. So, um, yeah, like I know our podcast will be very long, so I suspect this one will be a long one too. So what we have to do, mate, is get the business uh, yeah, relatively short this time because otherwise uh, I don't think our four-hour uh, podcast is <laughs> that popular at the moment. But um, yeah. So what we'll do is we'll um quickly discuss yeah what we learned today, and that's uh Will Setterfield has um, crossed the bombers, um, and I think that's actually a really cheap investment for a player that at one stage we were tossing up whether he was our going to be our number one pick when we ultimately selected uh, Andy McGrath. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I think it's a quite an astute pick. Um, and even further to that, James. You know, we obviously vibe against Carlton um, to to win his services. Obviously, he chose Carlton over us, so that's a black mark against him. Um, <laughs> but like even in that trade, mate, Carlton gave up. I think it was nineteen and forty three uh, mm. to get him across to the Blues. Um, and uh, we're picking him up. Now, get this. So for uh, we give them a future fourth rounder, which you know that stage of the draft possibly unlikely to be used, we get in pick 68 for this year's draft. I think it's 68. Yep, um, it is. Yep. <laughs> and you just think, hang on a second, we're actually you know, giving away less than what he actually costs us. Um, so it's a it's a win-win. Um, you know, obviously, yeah, for a lot of players, they just need a new environment. Um, he's obviously had a couple of bites of the cherry, but I think, yeah, the difference in joining Essendon is he's is got a bit of a point of difference already. We don't have many big-bodied midfielders. Um, so automatically, yeah, I guess he puts himself in contention there. Um, yeah, so... 192 centimetres. Mm. Um, yeah, looking at his highlights, I know sometimes highlights are dangerous because they generally pick out the best plays they do. And 
omit mm. some of the clangers, but um, yeah, he actually did use the footy pretty well from the highlights I saw. Yeah, we'll get that out of him, mate. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, I think it's a quite a good, a good pickup. Yeah, no, look at you know low cost. Um, you know it's great that um you know he wanted to come to us. Um, you know yeah, there's in talk that Carlton you know would have liked to have held him. Like obviously they weren't going to break the bank for it, and they've spent their money in a lot of different directions. Mm. But um. Yeah, I think it's a really stupid pickup. I think it's, uh, you know, he could play a, a fair bit of senior footy, depending on how Brad Scott wants to make his midfield. If he's looking for that one ninety-two centimeter uh, midfielder, how, uh, rel- yeah, our usual uh, centre bounce doesn't usually have that. Yeah, uh, unless you count maybe Langford or Stringer, maybe coming in. But like one ninety-two, um, yeah, I, I just think it's a no-brainer to take him at that cost. Yeah. And we also heard, mate, that, um, and this is not confirmed as yet, but, uh, you know, late yesterday we heard Sam Wiedemann uh, from Melbourne being brought up as, you know, a, a likely inclusion to our side. And, and again, uh, I think he was picked nine in the draft, um, the same draft that we drafted Aaron Francis at six. And it sounds like Aaron's going to be joining Sydney. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, even that, if they if you use the same pick generally to swap those players around, uh, considering you know uh, neither players you know really uh, announce themselves to the competition, um, yeah, I'm all for that as well because I feel like um you know another lead up forward um, and at 195 centimeters is quite a good size. I, I just think he needs to get more confident, and uh, as Matthew Lloyd said, he needs to add a bit of nastiness to him. Yeah, um, that probably come with confidence, but um, yeah, again, I, I'm I'm all for that one. Look, you know, we're not going to command players like Josh Dunkley to nominate us where we're at at the moment. Um, so yeah, these are bargain buy pickups, but um, yeah, at some point these guys were seen as really high quality players. Yeah, I think yeah, for both of them, the like the talent is there. It's just getting that out of them. Uh, particularly for Wiedemann, like just that bit of hardness. And we've seen, obviously, that improvement with uh, two-metre Peter. You know, the question on his game was that hardness and being able to compete um, in the air for longer. And, uh, you know, he's obviously done all right um, since he's joined the Bombers. So, you know, not saying that, you know, it's, it's an automatic that he'll uh, he'll improve with us. But, you know, he's he'll be given every opportunity. Um, I think he um, offers quite a lot in terms of, obviously, his you know, body shape and size, but the roles he plays, like to be that second marking forward, I think he's got a, a decent bit of ruck, uh, like forward craft about him, um, which would then allow like a Harrison Jones to be that third man up. So I think, you know, that really complements our, our forward line quite well. Obviously, um, last time he played us, Jane, he uh, he showed his wares, uh, kicked four against us in round three. Um, so, uh yeah, he obviously can kick a few goals. Uh, he missed some hells, mind you, on the night. But um, mm-hmm. um, look, uh, I think again, quite a good pickup if we can give him some confidence, get some uh, yeah, good solid uh, support around him. Um, yeah, could really um, yeah, turn out to be a boon for us. Um, if not, yeah, you're paying what a, a third round pick that we're getting for Francis anyway. Um, yeah, again, low cost and uh, yeah, fills the need. Exactly, and like 
it's not like these guys are on huge money. So, um, as you know, we had a huge war chest, apparently. <laughs> it doesn't look like we're going to be spending that on players coming in. So how we manage our cap may be important for the next trade period where we may be presenting to more high-caliber players. Mm. So, um, yeah, I think sometimes we've just got to appreciate where we're at at the moment and how we're perceived. Um, yeah. And just know this is a foundation and we need to build from this. And um, Brad Scott, for all t- intents and purposes, sounds like he's got basically with options almost a six-year deal. So this is a new um, you know, era for, in a way that Brad Scott, this will be in many ways his team. Um, mm-hmm. He obviously wants to keep this list young. He's not looking to bring in senior bodies. Um, he, he wants to build and develop within um, and maybe add, you know, some players later on, but this year's going to be, or next year's going to be seen as largely a development uh, year in terms of how much has he got to work with? Because I'm sure even with his talent identification, uh, until you actually learn what motivates guys and you have personal relationships and what drives them, um, he won't really know what he's got. So it's really a blank canvas for him in a way. Yeah, absolutely, mate. Um, yeah, exciting times ahead. Yeah. Um, and so other brief news, um, we're waiting for the EMI uh, external review. That should be out maybe by the end of this week, I hear. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be interesting to see uh, what potential changes could happen and what's been identified as failings or things we're doing well or things that we can capitalise on further. Um, so that's going to be an important thing. And also, the, obviously, the appointment of our CEO, mate, <laughs> our second one. Yeah, um, second time's a charm. Yeah, <laughs> correct. So, um, but, you know, pleasingly, it does sound like we are going to choose a more football-minded person, which, um, you know, as Dave Barham has said himself, he wants to get the Bombers back to focusing on footy, um, not, you know, bank balances. So, you know, I'm, I'm refreshed by that as well. So if we can get a good... Um, a good CEO who's got, you know, you know footy knowledge and um, also that business temperament and you put him aside a very you know, astute person in Brad Scott. Um, yeah, I don't see how those guys can fail, you know what I mean? Like in terms of they may have some uh, potholes to work around, but I think, you know, they're going to be given the licence to say this is basically a new start for resident and you guys are going to have the responsibility of having, you know, the most say. Yeah, mate. It's, uh, no, as you say, really important appointment. Um, so let's hope they get it right. I'm sure they will this time around. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, going to be a new era. Um, let's hope they can uh, yeah, lead us to the promised land. Yeah. And I guess the other thing we should touch on just quickly before we talk about the AFLW, um, yeah, there's been some speculation that maybe a board challenge is coming. Um, personally, uh, as though we've made some failings under this new leadership, um, I really hope that doesn't come to fruition. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I just think, like, we need to just accept, all right, there was a couple of blues early in the piece, but give this basically, in effect, new board a chance to um, get its house in order. Um, you know, I think that 
you know, any more disruption, like how much can we take as fans as well? Mm. You know, we want to be united. That's the message that was being preached to us, be united. Yeah. But then if we have another board challenge, it totally goes against that for the fans. So, um, yeah, look, Paul Little, I respect him immensely. I, I think he did a lot of work during one of the most difficult periods of um, any Essendon president. Um, and he put a lot of money in of his own, um, of his own. Yeah, he really support the club mm. when it needed it. Um, so I've got nothing but respect for Paul. But yeah, if, if I had any, if my words had any weight on him at all, I would just say, you know, the temptation may be there, but just give Dave and his team you know, a chance, you know, before making such a drastic move. Because um, it. You know, I just want to give Brad and Scott also, you know, and the new CEO a platform that they can be successful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we certainly had quite enough turmoil recently. We don't need any more. Um, you know, if we thought that people were uh, straight onto Western for, you know, for being a bit of a um, you know, laughing stock, uh, this will just put him into overdrive. Um, we don't need to give him any more ammo, like. Yeah, there's been blues made, but we uh, we addressed it um, and uh, yeah, moved on pretty swiftly. Um, so look, mistakes made, um, pretty serious mistakes made. Um, but um, you know, we have to move on from that. We can't just, you know, I suppose, you know, beating them over the over the head because as much as that, yeah, it was egg on the face. Um, you know, Dave Barham. And the board have done a lot right. Um, you know, they're they're trying to implement real change. Uh, they've brought in this external review, which yeah, a lot of us have been calling on for a long time. Um, so as you say, Jam, need to uh, back him in, give him a chance. Um, and uh, yeah, we have to be united as a club if we are to succeed. Yeah, and I think that's where I'd be critical, mate. If a a board challenge came now, yet yeah, they were happy to sit there and watch us be, you know. Two and ten, yeah, and now everyone was just accepting of that, you know what I mean? Like, and then you want to jump on, you know, someone who had the courage to enforce this change, and yeah, you know, like we can't hide the mistake that was made. But mm. again, that's not just the president going, "I want this guy as our CEO." That would have been with advice, would have had to have been ratified by the other board members. So again, um, I I would stand up for Dave Barham in that case. Is that He's being made out. Everything's solely from him. Mm. Uh, it's just not how boards work, you know. Like it's not. You don't get to um, have a sandbox and just run it how you want it, just because you're the president. Mm. You have to work with board members, and and obviously with this external review, that would have been advice on all these things as well. So, um, yep, yeah, I, you know, I kind of support Dave, and and uh, a lot of the ex players really are making that clear too, which, you know, is refreshing. Yeah, good point. Um, mate, just quickly, um, the other thing we need to discuss is the AFLW. Um, unfortunately, we went down again um, against Geelong, but, gee, um, you know, Geelong have been on a pretty good streak. You know, they won a few games in a row, and um, even though, you know, they had uh, Georgie Kasparka sound out, which would have been a, a clash between the Kasparka sisters, Um yeah, I was really pleased with how the side really stayed in that game after Geelong jumped us. 
Mm. Um, you know, we we fought back. You know, we almost I think it was equal scores at quarter time. Uh, Geelong dominated the second quarter, uh, held goals, um, and then obviously we fought our way back in at three quarter time to have the scores level once again. Mm. Um, but that last quarter, you know, we saw Shea just take total control of the game. Um, yeah. And, you know, look, we're a, we are an expansion team, and um, we've got some really talented players. But our list is probably hasn't got the same depth as some of these clubs that have been in the comp a bit longer. Yeah, absolutely, Jamie. It was a, I have to say, a pretty frustrating day. Um, because at times we had the ascendancy. Um, mm. But our our lack of um, you know, quality ball use really hurt us in the end. Um, yeah, particularly going forward, we'd, we'd sort of um, rush it or waste the footy. Uh, and then Geelong, they were just so clean at times, James. Uh, really picked us apart. And our defence um, really struggled back there. I, I do feel sorry for the girls um, um, you know, playing in defence because, um, yeah, quite often we'd sort of brought ourselves up the ground to, um, you know, pressure the ball in and then, you know, go in over the top and uh, they had, you know, a couple of people just streaming for goal. You know, Daniel Marshall um, in particular, I thought played a quite a good game. Um, you know, Walkham I thought was was trying um, trying to hold up. Um, we have said, uh, I think it was a uh, debutante, Mia Bush. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, had a crack, but at the end of the day, um, yeah, we were just really lacking uh, down back. And then when we were up forward, um, yeah, missed a few opportunities. So, um, yeah, particularly that third quarter really stands out to me, Jane. Um, where we really could have put a bit more pressure on that scoreboard. But as you say, you know, we're a developing side. And, yeah, as much as, you know, I guess I find it frustrating the, um, that our ball use and our Decision making um, wasn't as good. Um, one thing that you know we never doubt um, is the the effort and intent. Um, you know the girls go out there and they tackle hard, um, they chase. Um, you know they're always working for each other. It's just that polish, I guess. That's the difference between us as an expansion side and the more established teams in the competition. Uh, so even though our, our, you know, our record's currently what two and five, mm. um, you know certainly I think. We've got a lot more respect in the competition than that um, uh, than that may show. Um, yeah, yeah realistically, always... it was just the Brisbane game, wasn't it, that we were blown out in? Yeah, yeah. But um, every other game, we've really, you know, had yeah, a real. Um, we've had been our here, moments. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and like Madison Prasparkas, mate, like what a star! Yeah, um, she just works so hard. Like she's like mm. a bull. Um, yeah. You know, like nothing seems to phase her. She cops a lot of knocks um, oh, you know, yeah. from the players. Um, you know, you can see even off the ball, you know, they're trying to put body pressure and she never seems to complain much. You know, she just mm. gets up and goes again, you know. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm just amazed by how good a footballer she is. Yeah, she's a jet. Yeah. Well, let's um get those boats out of the way, mate, because we can get into our guest and... um. Yeah, let's um, start with your votes, mate. Yeah, mate. So I went one vote for Paige Scott um, to kick a couple of goals, um, lay a few tackles, and she shows some real intent when she tackles Jane. Um, 
which I loved. So um, well done to Paige Scott, gave her the one. Uh, for the two votes, I went for Pris Barkas, which might sound surprising, Jane, um, but I thought, you know, even though she got those 37 disposals and four tackles, which is all great, uh, I just think her voice at times, you know, wasn't as effective as it could be. Um, and perhaps I'm marking her harsher because, you know, I know how she's like such a gun player. Uh, but I just thought her overall impact on the game was stifled. Um, so able to collect the footy, but um, wasn't really hurting Geelong with them, to my mind. Um, but for the three votes, I went for um, Bonnie Toogood. Um, yeah, kicked two goals, one. Showed some um, really good marking prowess, Jane. Um, took the six marks, which is great to see. Um, good decision-making. Uh, you know, she was bringing other girls into the game, which I thought was really good. Laid a few big tackles. Uh, so I thought, um, yeah, she played a really good role for us. Um, so I gave the three votes. How about yourself, mate? How'd you read it? Yeah, it was a, uh, as I said, a little bit frustrating that last quarter because the girls had worked so hard to um, get themselves in the game. Mm. Um, and, uh, yeah, we just saw uh, she just take total control in that last quarter. I think she scored every point and goal in that quarter. Yeah. So uh, just a total domination from her. But, um, yeah, look, up. Uh, I did give the three to Madison for Sparkers. So I thought, mm. you know, uh, yeah, she may not have used the ball as well as she usually does, but um, so much of the time she's actually working in tight releasing players as well. Yeah. Um, so I really recognised her for that. I gave two to Bonnie Toogood. I thought, um, again, she was – what a great leader she is in her own right. Um, mm. Even uh, when we struggle to get the ball forward, she's able to, uh, you know, Command a presence and, and drop herself back and be an intercept player. Um, so, yeah, you know, I just think she's uh, yeah, a really good leader and someone that um, I enjoy watching play. Mm-hmm. And I actually gave the one back to Bannister, who returned after suspension. Um, Love the way that she, yeah, you know, goes in so hard and just puts her body on the line uh, mm. and you know, really represents the Bombers with a bit of stealth. And um, yeah, so I gave her one back. Beautiful. All right. Well, I'll, uh, I'll go through the votes uh, quickly, Jane. Um, so from the bottom, we've got Elise Gamble with one. On two votes each, we've got um, uh, George G and Stephanie Kane. On three votes each, we've got Catherine Phillips and Stephanie Wales. On four votes apiece, we've got Daria Bannister, Paige Scott and Amber Clark. On 13, we've got Jackie Vought. 14 votes, we've got Bonnie Toogood. And out, way in front, is Madison Prasparkas with 34 Don's Cast Medal votes. Yeah, uh, yeah, one of the absolute jet to um, to have in our first season as a club. So, um, yeah, thank you, Madison, for being a Bombers fan and wanting to play for us. And, um, yeah, we saw that emotion in the round one game against Hawthorne. Mm. And, um, yeah, I really hope that she knows what a impact she's had to people who don't usually watch AFLW. You know, I wasn't really aware of how good a player she was until, you know, I've started taking interest now that Eskin's got his own side. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just, I'm just yeah, amazed at how she worked so hard in, in tight and be able to put her body on the line. And, um, yeah, never seems, you know, even when she had all that, her leg, uh, you know, that looked like a pretty uh, corky thigh. Mm. Um, she was able to play games out and still have impacts, so. Yeah, yeah, well, Maddie, and um, yeah, I'm pretty sure you're going to win the female version of the Donning Scars medal, but um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's still going to be interesting to give our votes. 
So, mate, that's our first, uh, you know, quick glimpse. So I'm sure there'll be more to talk about in our next episode. Of, you know, what's happening around the club. We'll finalise um, the trade period and maybe have the findings of the review and, and maybe even the appointment of the CEO. Um, but we'll leave that for our next episode. So what we'll do is we'll have a break. We'll come back with our first guest. And we're very lucky today to have uh, Paul Cousins joining us on our 100th episode. We really thank him, and he's been a kind guest of the show a number of times. And Paul, thanks for joining us again. No worries, boys. 100 up, eh? You're going well. I, I, <laughs> I think I was the first guest, wasn't I? Was you were. Yeah. Um, you got a special place in the Don's cast. Uh, <laughs> Paul of Fame. Oh, I, I like that. I appreciate that. That's good stuff. Um, fair to say, we've had a fair bit of. Uh, Talk going on about our club, um, you know, unfortunately, all for the wrong reasons at times. But um, in between that, we had a, a good announcement, I think. Um, you know, Brad Scott seems like a really uh, a good appointment for a club that really needs some strong direction. Um, what's your thoughts on that appointment? Yeah, look, as Eddie Maguire used to say, it's been a big week in football. It's <laughs> probably been a fair bit longer than that, hasn't it? It's been a big couple of months in football for us, but... No, I think the Brad Scott one, I'm told, um, you know, he was really the outstanding candidate um, that I I think, you know, was incredibly impressive in the way he presented. I was fortunate enough to meet him actually at the Crichton Medal recently. I hadn't met him before and um, had a, you know, just a five or ten minute chat. But um, no, he seems seems like a, a nice guy, but seems, you know, incredibly driven and well aware of sort of, uh, what confronts him, um, the challenge, I don't think he's under any illusions. I think he's, to be honest, I think he's really, um, you know, embracing the the challenge that uh, is in front of him and uh, excited by sort of the big club thing and, the you know, the I think, let's face it, whoever turns around the Essendon Footy Club after what's happened in the last 20 years is going to make themselves a lifelong hero, aren't they? Mm, so, um, you know, I think from a... From that point of view, um, anyone who's looking for a challenge, there's no better one going at the moment. And Brad, <laughs> Brad strikes me as a bloke who's up for a challenge. So, um, no, I think it's a, a really um, strong appointment and I certainly wish him luck in my role. Beauty. Talking about challenges there, Paul. Um, so, obviously, there was the uh, yeah, positional changes which have happened recently. Obviously, Xavier Campbell, Paul Brasher. Simon Madden, uh, Sean Wellman to um, head off into the sunset uh, soon with uh, Dave Barham taking over as president of the board. Now, I imagine you would have worked a little bit with uh, Dave Barham in your time as a board member. Um, so what insights can you bring to uh, you know, Dave Barham and how he operates? I like that segue, speaking of challenges, by the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> Dave, yeah. So Dave joined the board about um, 12 months after I did. So we we had a couple of years on the board together. He's a terrific bloke. He's um, incredibly smart and uh, obviously very knowledgeable in the sort of media area. Um, but, you know, generally just a smart um, operator who, who, you know, makes thoughtful decisions. He's not um, a bloke who makes rash choices. I know um, the, the, the challenge... 
uh, and eventual sort of takeover of the presidency was painted as a bit of a sudden thing. I'm sure it wouldn't have been for him. I'm sure it's something he would have given a lot of thought um, and sort of weighed up the pros and cons because he is a very thoughtful guy. Um, but he's, um, you know, I think he's, he's a bit of a self-described um, agent of change. I think that's, uh, he, you know, he's not one to sort of, um, sit with the status quo if it's not working and um, you know I think he's seen a situation that let's face it wasn't working mm. um, uh, over an extended period and and um, you know while, whilst I feel for those who have moved on uh, from the club I think you know it's pretty hard to argue that there wasn't some change necessary there so it hasn't um, hasn't always been smooth smooth sailing for Dave and the and the sort of newish board um, since I've taken over. But I think, you know, I, I give Dave a lot of credit for putting himself on the line and, and um, you know, going after the change that, that he thought was in the best interest of the club. And obviously the majority of the board agreed with him. So I've been out of that room for a couple of years now, well, many, five years now. So I'm not sure what sort of discussions took place and, and how it played out, but, um, you know, knowing David all would have been very respectful and um, it's he's a guy who I can, um, you know, hand on heart say really has the best interests of the footy club at heart. And they've, I was just going to say, look, they've had a, a bit of a rocky period and obviously they've made some blues and Dave's been on the front foot about that and um, they need to get it right going forward. But um, you know, the motivation and the drive um, behind it all, I'm sure, is um, purely in the best interest of the Essendon Footy Club. Yeah. He seems to have, as you say, the best intention for the club. And I really like, you know, I've got a daughter, 21 years of age, and, um, you know, basically he was putting the same analogy. Like, his daughter has no recollection of any Essendon success, you know. Um, so apart from him putting it on an old DVD that was, uh, you know, probably before she was born, um, you know, they haven't witnessed that. You know, they don't know what it feels like for us to be a successful club. Um, and I feel like he's got a lot of support. You know, even someone who's outspoken as uh, Matthew Lloyd, and Brendan Goddard and uh, Andrew Walsh, you know, they were all really strong. Yeah, you know, this is the decision that needed to be made. So I think we can cut him some slack for some initial mistakes. Um, but obviously some of them have been... Bit monumental, probably the CEO was the, uh, you know, Andrew Thornburn was probably, you know, uh, as Mark Robinson put it, as a national disgrace of Essendon, but um, <laughs> which is very strong. Uh, but um, as I said, uh, Robbo's good with the throwaway lines, but I mean, with that, like, do you, you know, obviously there's a due diligence uh, question. Um, what would you feel like if you were the president um, and you're making that um, kind of, you know, and basically, he's not speaking for the club singularly. That would have been a unanimous decision, I imagine, um, within the board. Was that how the board would work, a question like that, yeah, or an appointment like that? Yeah, look, uh, uh, without knowing exactly sort of what went on behind closed doors with this one, um, you know, from what I can gather, they engaged Ernst & Young as a, as a search firm for the CEO role and, mm-hmm. um, you know, I think Andrew Thorburn, it appears, was involved in that. CEO search, which obviously puts it in the questionable category immediately. Um, but clearly, Ernst and Young, who you know uh, are sort of world renowned for this kind of work, 
recommended Andrew um, and the board took that recommendation. Now, um, maybe in hindsight, the board might have played a more active role prior to that point. Um, I'm not sure. I haven't really spoken to them about yeah. it. None of these decisions are easy. And um, it's, I know it's easy to be flipping about this and say, you know, they should have done this and they should have done that. And, and I'm sure um, they're, they're more than, more than aware that they should have done some things differently and, and will, you know, going forward from here. Um, but, you know, it, it's when you get someone of that sort of um, calibre of resume recommended to you by a search firm, um, you know, I, I don't think it, they'd be the first board in history to say, well, he's obviously pretty good if they've recommended him and, um, you know, we, no, we had these the... people, paid these people to find us a CEO. So um, here he is. I, you know, look, it's I'm not trying to run away from the mistake. It was a clear mistake and a bad one and one that they shouldn't have made um, and I'm sure we'll correct going forward. And I think Dave sort of said he's as much himself, but I do think we can be a bit simplistic with these things too. And, um, you know, I, the most important thing for me is um, that they immediately sort of learn from that, figure out exactly where they went wrong um, and correct those issues and, and go and find themselves a really good CEO for the Essendon Footy Club. But the appointment couldn't be any more vital, um, particularly, um, well, dare I say it, after a few stuff-ups, um, leadership becomes incredibly important. We need leaders standing up now and, um, you know, we can't sort of have a leadership vacuum at the club. It's now time for those leaders to stand up, be strong, appoint a really strong CEO who, who can assume a leadership position immediately and move forward as a footy club. Yeah, absolutely. And, and with that, I mean, obviously Dave Barham, I actually quite like that he ripped the Band-Aid off. Like, they, okay, this isn't going well. Um, let's let's move on it. Um, so, I mean, as much as it doesn't look great, you know, within 24 hours effectively, um, you know, he's in and out of the door. Um, I think that was good that they did move on, as you sort of mentioned there. And as you say, like, you know, you had even the AFL CEO, Gil McLaughlin, come out and uh, endorse Thorburn effective, effectively. Yeah. Um, but with... Um, with Dave Barham, I mean, that agent for change, I mean, um, I suppose change is one of those things that are constant. However, like such, I suppose, disruptive change at the one time, uh, it sort of leads me to uh, to wonder, Paul, and I don't know if you can talk on it, but do you reckon Dave Barham's there for a good time rather than a long time? Or do you reckon he'll be there, uh, depending on the outcome of the review, obviously, uh, but do you reckon he'll be there for the ride? I'm not sure the last few weeks have been considered a good time for him. <laughs> yeah. but, uh, I suspect he's uh, he's probably been under a fair bit of pressure, but uh, that comes with the role, of course. But look, um, uh, he's done a couple of um, terms now. I think he's midway through his third term. So um, regardless of uh, sort of what comes next for the board, I mean, his time is somewhat term limited anyway. Mm. Um eventually but yeah I, I i'm really not sure i haven't spoken to him on that topic um but I, I think what i do know about dave is that he will do absolutely um what he perceives to be in the best interests of the footy club and if that is um you know to to sort things out make some key changes and then step aside then i'm sure he wouldn't hesitate to do that if he felt that was in the best interest of the club he's that kind of guy so um, yeah, I, I'm not really sure. I, I 
look, it's obviously been, um, you know, a, a bit of a, well, I say rocky start. I mean, they obviously, no matter how you go about it, if you CEO, your senior coach, a couple of other key staff and three or four directors all leave within a few weeks of each other, mm. it's going to be tricky and yeah. going to be somewhat rocky. You know, you're going to have headlines in the paper and that, but if those changes need to be made, they need to be made. You know, mm. they're, they're in the best position to see that. So um, from my point of view, I'd be happy if he stayed on uh, afterwards, um, but whether he chooses to do that or thinks, okay, I've made the changes necessary for the club to move forward, now right off into the sunset, uh, you know, I'm really not sure. But um, I do think that, you know, change needed to happen at the club yeah. um, and, you know, he sort of put himself on the line um, to go and make those changes that, that he deemed needed to happen. So I give him a lot of credit for the, the well, apart from as much as anything, for the courage that it took to, mm. to do that. He's not the kind of guy who sought the limelight over the journey. You know, he tended to be a... Uh, incredibly highly regarded, but a backroom player um, mm. and, you know, wouldn't necessarily have thrust himself in front of a camera, but um, he knew that that's what was required and he was willing to do that. So, as I said, I give him a lot of credit for um, for stepping up at a time when uh, he felt that someone needed to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, um, obviously, we know the review is scheduled to be released and maybe even this week. Um, just on that, I was wondering if uh, EMY or Ernest & Young would actually considered, in my belief anyway, I won't put words in your mouth, Paul, the, the misrepresentation or the misvalue of VFL football that represents Essendon, um, did EMY actually ask any questions regarding the VFL program? Uh, I'm sure they did. I wasn't interviewed personally, but um, um, I, I'm reliably told that the VFL will feature pretty heavily. Um, and... I would imagine that um, going forward, there would be some change around the program. I suspect around um, possibly some more resources. I think even before the change of direction, I think um, Paul Brasher had been pretty firm on the fact that the club really wanted to focus on its development program, of which obviously the VFL is a key part um, and sort of um, points more resources toward it. Um, and I would think, um, you know, that would be the case. Obviously, there was a pretty big restructuring of the club post-COVID, um, and, uh, you know, when when resources were sort of doled back out at that time, uh, I think the, um, the VFL was probably a bit shortchanged on where, where it had sat previously, um, and I think... Um, now that sort of things have um, stabilised post-COVID in the competition in general and in and in club programs as well, I think um, you'll find that some more resources um, will likely get pushed back into VFL and development programs um, across the league, but also at Essendon. So I haven't seen the the review myself as yet, um, but I, I I would imagine that there'll be a pretty um, decent section on the VFL and um, you know I think that recognizing how important it is for the development of the AFL list and, and success at AFL level uh, I think that's something that that we're perhaps underrated um, internally for a few years and um, something that we probably gave a bit more attention to previously that 
perhaps will, um, you know, will hopefully uh, come a bit more to the forefront as we move forward. But again, managing these sort of budgets and resources and stuff isn't straightforward, and mm. uh, I don't have to do it. Uh, um, <laughs> so I'll, I'll keep my big mouth shut a bit on that. I won't, um, yeah. you know, I'm not sort of going to have a crack at anyone for it. I understand it's difficult, but. I hope that, um, you know, as we move forward, that we get back to our, our VFL program being, um, you know, the priority that it, it richly deserves to be, in my view. Yeah, because um, I think pride in the jumper starts at any level. Um, and, you know, I think sometimes our, you know, especially our younger draftees and so forth who are making their or trying to make their uh, career start, uh, starting there, and it makes it hard when you're, you know, sometimes, you know, so... Oh, underperformed because you know, you know you just haven't got the same cattle on the field if you know what I mean. So um, yeah, it'd be nice to be a bit more fairer, fairer system and and make the players enjoy actually wearing the Essendon jumper at all levels. Yeah, and look, I think um, I think that's true, but I think there's even more in it than that. I think you know the evidence over the last twenty or thirty years is irrefutable that. Clubs with strong VFL or AFL programs tend to have strong VFL programs. You know, I think um, clubs that have had uh, a lot of success at AFL level that has oftentimes um, followed success at VFL level. I think Geelong, Hawthorne, Melbourne have all been really good recent examples of that. Melbourne won the flag with Casey at VFL level this year and have been strong for a number of years. uh, and ironically did it with a with our former Essendon VFL coach coaching him in, in um, Mark Corrigan this year. But, you know, they've really focused the last couple of years on their VFL program and, and that's unquestionably helped their AFL program. Richmond won, were one I didn't mention who were the same, won a couple of AFL flags um, leading up to and during their period um, of success at, at AFL level. And, yeah, you can go back as far as, um, you know, Geelong teams of the early and mid-2000s, um, the Hawthorne teams, um, who, of course, have been affiliated with Box Hill and so on. I, you know, the, the evidence there of a correlation between, um, you know, pouring resources into your VFL and having a really strong VFL program and that translating, um, you know, shortly thereafter at AFL level, I think, is... Uh, you know, you, you can't ignore that evidence. So um, I think everyone's aware of that. I think, you know, maybe probably the second half of last season, we, as a program, we probably stabilised a bit after, after a pretty tough 18 months. And, um, you know, obviously the, the playing cattle that you've got at the time around injuries and whatever else obviously makes a difference there as well. But hopefully, um, you know, the second half of last year, um, is more of a pointer towards how we can go in, in future years. And I think it's also really important with um, a VFL program, or with an AFL program as well, that when you've got young AFL blokes um, playing VFL footy, they need to be learning from that experience, you know. And the best way to learn from it isn't to get smacked up by 100 points with no leadership beside you. You know, yeah. you really need... Um, strong leaders at VFL level, whether they're on the AFL list or not, whether they're experienced guys on the VFL list who can really direct and help young players on field. You know, this is where you need to be at this stoppage. This is, you know, you shouldn't be around the front there. You should be around the back. When this happens, you need to be here and so on. Uh, the learning that comes from that and, 
you know, I think we saw that in the second half of the year with a bloke like Mick Hurley who was able to come back mm. and play some footy for us and really have an immediate impact, not really at all with his play. I mean, not, mm. not to have a crack at Mick, but obviously he hadn't played footy for a long time, but he didn't um, particularly impact as a player, but he impacted massively on field as a, um, you know, a, as a sort of on-field coach and leader who was able to really help out the players on where they should be and, um, you know, give that kind of, experience guidance to guys that we've probably been lacking so um yeah i think it's you know the vfl program isn't just about well you win games because you you know it's good to win games like obviously it is everyone wants to win not lose but we understand we're a development program but in my view the the best way to develop afl players is to have an incredibly strong vfl program on and off field around them and and really um you know fast track people with that guidance uh, my last question, because um, I think uh, Paul's got a commitment. So just uh, if you want to ask your last question, mate. Um... Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, we're hoping as part of the review, as you say, like the VFL will be a um, you know, bit of a priority there. Um, and, you know, hopefully we've got blokes like um, Atley sticking around. He uh, seemed to have a really good season last year. You know, obviously, before we make list management decisions and all the rest of it, like, how do you see the VFL going forward into next year. Hopefully, uh, obviously, blokes getting older and bigger and stronger, hopefully. Um, just lock them in the gym. But um, yeah, how do you see the VFL going next year? Oh, look, one thing about the last couple of years and going on from what I just said, we have had a very, very young VFL list. Mm. And we've had a pretty young AFL list as well, obviously. Yeah. So you combine those two things and it's meant that we've been pretty inexperienced a lot of the time and probably been found out, um, you know, for when you have a really young AFL list, it's important that you have really good, strong, um, experienced VFL listed guys playing with them. And we probably, uh, Joe Atley, you mentioned, has been incredible for us, one of the best in Ferris this year. And um, But his leadership's been amazing, but he's only 23 or something himself, mm. you know, like um, whilst he's had experience in an AFL program, he's certainly not an old experienced veteran by any stretch. So, um, you know, his leadership's been invaluable for us. But um, one thing about having a young list is eventually it gets older. So guys who have been with us for a couple of years who might have been 18 two years ago, suddenly 20, as you say, they're getting bigger, stronger, they're getting more experience, more confidence. So, um, look, hopefully we can return a lot of players on our VFL list that, of course, those things are always a bit up in the air at this time of year, depending on what, um, you know, what transpires going over the next month or two. But, um, you know, I believe a lot of guys have, have shown an intent to return, um, so which is positive. And um, if we can sort of keep, I mean, one of the key things in VFL programs is you just can't turn over the whole program every year. Or, yeah end up spending half a season developing blokes and by the time you get going, you find yourself out of the finals race and having struggled. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can return a good number of players and um, those players, as you said, are all a year older and a year bigger and a year wiser. Um, and, you know, that should add to the overall strength at the, at the top of our VFL list. Um, and then, you know, when you consider the bottom of the AFL list, I know we're, there's currently a couple of little trades happening, I think. I think Will Setterfield's just come across who, yeah. um, you know, would 
you imagine be sort of borderline VFL, AFL. So he might add some experience for us, for example. You know, mm-hmm. I think we all saw the impact that just three or four guys could have mid-year for us when, you know, we were able to bring in um, Brad Bernanke and Steph Razanak, who mm. are both um, experienced, stronger body players, um, even though they weren't experienced at VFL level, they're, you know, they're, they're in their sort of early to mid-20s and um, big, strong bodies who have played quite a lot of footy. And you brought in those two guys. And then at the draft, you know, we are able to bring in Mass D'Ambrosio and Guy mm. Menzi and, um, and just adding those three or four guys to our VFL program or their replacements when they went up to AFL level and other guys came down, you know. So just adding sort of three or four um, experienced um talented players to our list mid-year obviously had a big impact on our VFL program combined with obviously a bit of a healthier list at AFL level but um yeah you, you do need experience and hopefully um you know I look I think about a guy like Del Fitzgerald who was straight out of under 18s this year and uh, had a good year but probably got tired late in the like he had a really good year truthfully but probably got tired late in the year mm-hmm. Sam Conforti straight out of under 18s and the same thing, you know, had a, had a good year. But those guys go into next year sort of 19 and 20 with a bit more size, a bit more experience. And, um, you know, even Joe Outley goes in, you know, a year fitter after injury issues last year. And, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So there's cause for optimism for sure. And um, as we talked about previously, I suspect a few more resources will go into the sort of VFL and the development program. So it's pleasing um, to hear, that's for sure, because, yeah. uh, you know, it's really important we have a strong VFL program. I'm sure you'd agree with that. Uh, yeah, I do. And look, it's it's been tough. You know, it's my first five years, we made the finals every year and, um, and played, played in prelims a couple of, and couple of prelims. Yeah, yeah. And yeah so... Um, to then have two years, well, have a year wiped out with COVID and then have two yeah. years of, um, you know, disappointing results. Although, as I said, we came home well at the end of this season, just finished. But um, to not play finals and not really be close um, yeah. for a couple of years was has been difficult. You know, it's been tough. And I really value the, the VFL's role in our club. And, um, you know, it's hard to see it down like that. So... Yeah, hopefully, well, hopefully, hopefully, we yeah. um, you know we get some stuff right this off season and um, the VFL really comes together. But you know there'll be good people working on it and trying to put a good program together. So we thank yeah. you so much, mate. We, like you have always been our best guest. Um, yeah, our first and our best. How's that? Um, oh, jeez, hang on, I'm getting the big <laughs> But um, we I hope won't... we can talk to you next year. Um, I, I won't sit out the door of my office. At this <laughs> but um. <laughs> Yeah, and no, remember there's a spot on the board uh, that might be available soon. Uh, <laughs> keep that open. Um, but uh, no, we thank you so much for being so generous again. And we're sorry to hold you up. We did say we'd get you out of here by four, but uh, thanks again. No, no, all good. I'm coaching under 12 basketball at five o'clock, see? So we're, we're <laughs> well, priorities, mate. And that's right. That's right. I've got a 10 year old daughter who, let me tell you, that's her number one priority. So. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, good luck tonight. And, Good luck in the future, Paul. Thanks so much. No worries, boys. Hey, congrats on the hundred episodes. Let's uh, we'll rejoin for the two hundredth in a little while. Great, <laughs> <laughs> right, thanks so much. Thanks, Paul. No worries, boys. Cheers.
And you're listening to Don's Cast, and we're very lucky today to have Robert Shaw join us on our 100th episode. So thanks very much, uh, Rob, for joining us today. Jamie, uh, thanks, mate. Yeah, uh, raise the bat, 100 episodes. <laughs> uh, well, well done. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, Rob, we always value what you say, and um, because, you know, as I say to uh, many people, you're, you were assistant coach of the best side ever. And so um, that was a good title to have. And I think one of our memories of the 2000 Premiership is uh, you walking alongside the injured Dean Rioli and really uh, you know, taking in, I'm sure, what was an emotional moment for him. Well, it was because um, he'd had a dominant year and got injured in that game against the Western Bulldogs. So um, I don't want to go there, but uh, yeah. he would have definitely played in the grand final. So obviously um, there would have been a sad story for one of mm. the boys missing out. But um, I think uh, it's very interesting that we're now talking 22 years later mm. and our club is... Um, very much a, a um, well, it's incomparable on and off the field to, to those days. Yeah, a lot of people would say, um, imagine walking out of the, uh, after the uh, Essendon versus Melbourne 2004 final and some, some punter saying to you, I hope you enjoyed that because uh, your next final win won't come until, you know, mid-2020s. Um, you wouldn't believe it, would you, from where we were? No, no, you're quite right, and uh, there's so many um, uh, so many things that come into play with those sort of issues. But yeah, it's been um, what 18 years, uh, a few preliminary finals, but we just haven't progressed uh, uh, deep into the finals, nor have we really looked at it because uh, those most of those uh, elimination finals, sorry, elimination finals mm. were. Um, um, soundly sound beatings yeah we run out pretty quickly so with that um i suppose background there shory you know obviously there's been the external review conducted with the aim to you know correct the wrongs um of the past i mean obviously it's not going to happen all at once but um you know certainly at least there's uh, a push for change uh, that's much needed um so with that external review um you know obviously i've quite enjoyed listening to yourself and uh, Rowan Connolly on Footyology regarding your thoughts of the uh, external review. Uh, can I ask, first of all, what your view is, um, I suppose, on the external review and I suppose in review of the uh, current makeup of the board with, uh, you know, people going out, people coming in um, and, uh, yes, whether you, like, what you suppose hope for as a result of the uh, external review? Well, you, uh, you made an interesting point, uh... Carlton had a um, external review and made significant change, and uh, I thought they were very unlucky not to play in the finals. Yeah, uh, got significant injuries. Uh, Collingwood was seventeenth. They had an external review based on um, uh, issues off the field, and mm. uh, and had a great year. I think you can turn it around very very quickly. Um, I was a very strong proponent of the external review. Mm. I thought the internal review, as proposed by the former chairman Brasher and the CEO Campbell, were, was um, ineffectual because basically you have a situation where those that need to be reviewed were actually going to conduct the review. Yeah. And I couldn't have that. So, and then when it did come back, 
uh, it looks like it has come back pretty soft. Mm. And I guess if we're looking at a, a starting point for all this drama and complexity that we're seeing at the moment, um, the lack of substance and meat on the bones of the internal review, as most people thought would happen, and the glowing reports for some people over others, um, I, I'm, I, I believe, led to um, the push for change. My, yep. my opinion is the change had to be um, transformational. We had to transform your footy club into a winning football club, mm. you know. Um, so it was a, a battle of ph philosophy, not on personalities. It was obviously led by personalities, but um, there was a really strong desire to have an external review and let's look at our club and good on them. Mm. Um, you can hide many things in an internal review and um, and that came with a new, a new, new president. You asked about the board members uh, that was over um, the support for Ben Rutten and I find myself in an interesting position because while I fully supported uh, fully support Dave Barham and the push for the external review I also felt that um, Ben Rutten deserved an, the, uh, his final year but he deserved it with greater financial and personnel resources put around him particularly in coach mentoring, mm. uh, a la a Mark Williams, and definitely, definitely in uh, player development and welfare. Yep. Um, you can look at and say, well, which player has really come on? And for like a Nick Martin to come into the club and what, finish top six in the best and fairest, mm. um, how many players have really gone on? Writes a new player, wins your best and fairest, there has to be big question marks over our player development. And uh, I hope, I, I actually think the external review, the contents and the, uh, the results of the external review are pivotal to the future of the club, more than the coach and more than the CEO. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty strong. Because work. at um, the moment, at the, sorry, at the moment, what have we done? Okay, there's been changes at board level and they, those people are to be uh, respected for making the decisions because yep. they they stood by Rutten. But um, at the moment, we've changed the coach. Mm. So for all the failings of Eston and all the the emotion, all the potential, everything stays the same at the moment. We have changed the coach, Rutten for Scott. Yeah. And um, um, we did try to change the CEO, Rob, and that didn't uh, <laughs> last terribly long. Um, obviously, you know, yeah. That was, that was extraordinary. That was extraordinary. Yeah. So, look, look, the Royal Commission stuff, a lot of people were more alarmed with that at first. And then, obviously, it came up about, um, you know, the, the conflicting interests of uh, the CEO of the church versus the CEO of the club that's very inclusive. Um, so, yeah, you think that could have been, you know, probably easier to say in hindsight, but you think that could have been discovered uh, before we made such an appointment. Um, what's your thoughts on getting an actual 
footy-related CEO, which I think is really mm. vital. You've got to have a strong team, um, you know, leading the front of the club. And I'd be interested in your thoughts on maybe potential candidates that, you know... Well, my thoughts were... My thoughts were it was a... Um, uh, a, a poorly thought through process, uh, mm -hmm. given the fact that it was quite clear to all of us that Barham was on the right track. He mm -hmm. said, we, he's, he's been quoted as saying, um, we have to return to a football culture. We have mm -hmm. to return to make football our core business. Mm -hmm. um, we have to win games. So to me, um, that sounded very much like a football CEO. Gary Pert, Premiership Collingwood, Melbourne. Um, Simon Garlic, CEO at Fremantle, going well. Brian Cook at Geelong. Simon Cook played for Melbourne. Um, West Coast Eagles, Geelong, and now Carlton. Premierships wherever he goes. Greg Swan, football person, going well. Tom Harley, football person, going well. Steve Hocking walks into Geelong. Going well. Mm -hmm. um, so to me, Brendan Gale, how's Brendan Gale going? Pretty good, you'd say. I would have thought so. So I, I, I crossed off the, the, I'm not a banker and I don't know the church. I looked at this decision and thought, we've got uh, nothing personal, but the appointed appointed person andrew had not been in a sports club or and definitely had not been in an afl football club so for the life of me i could not understand how we've gone down commercial banking finance again when it's quite clear that essendon's premierships have either had a football ceo or a football president in every one of the presidents for the premierships so to me, I, I disagreed strongly with the with the appointment, and but not on the basis of what has been generated headlines. I couldn't fathom why we haven't got a strong football CEO um, similar to the nine or so names I've just given you. Yeah. So that that's my. That's my um, point of view on the CEO. Yeah. Well, hopefully they will be corrected. It sounds like that's the inkling that uh, some of the names have been mentioned. Stuart Fox, who I think had experience at Hawthorne and Geelong, yeah, both premiership kind of clubs, and well, yeah, not in his time at Geelong, but I believe um, he was at a strong club, um, and also with the MCG. Um, and then other names you know, have been thrown up of Greg Swan and even an audacious bid at someone like Brendan Gale, which is probably unlikely. Yeah, but also look for the next. Brendan Gale was a, it's like an emerging player. Give a player a chance. Brendan Gale was a young CEO. Mm. So what's wrong with um, a Simon Lloyd? And no, yeah. I'm not mm. saying there's a connection. Um, his brother, Brad, you know, we know they're Matt, right? Uh, Matthew's brothers. Blair Hartley at Richmond has done an extraordinary job developing that list. Simon Matthews at Richmond has been 2IC to Brendan Gale for something like 10 or 15 years. There might be a, there might be a case to suggest that they might have learned something. Um, so um, 
Nick Holland, for example, another emerging uh, leader. Yeah. So these sort of people should be given the chance, I think. That's uh, I I feel. But you could go back to a swan. You could go back to a fox, and that would be okay. You've got to have your head in the game. You've got to have the feel of football. Football is so complex. It's not running a bank. It, it's it, you know you've got so many departments, and the and the problem with Essendon's been, it's been departmentalised. Mm. So many silos, all not communicating to each other. So you need that experience. So that I've got my fingers crossed. But as I said, this uh, I'm intrigued by the external review because at the moment all we've done is change a coach, and we need to make transformational change right through that football department and it may be and hopefully it will be additions in the area of um player development which is the absolute critical area of of the Essendon football club and don't yeah. forget we've got one footy manager josh marnie mm. i don't know well i know i do know josh but i've never worked with him mm. i'm assuming he's under extreme pressure Right, yeah. and the reason being, we now have four teams. We've yeah. got two women's teams. We have a VFL team that's absolutely under-resourced. Mm. You know, you had part-time coaches. I know Hurley's coming on board, but he was a part-time coach while he's playing. They got yeah. Dustin Fletcher down, just part-time. Yeah. You've got to have full people, full-time people, additional resources in your player development to look look what's I know Sydney got thumped in the grand final. Look at their names. They're hardly household names. All these young people that that have developed. Look at Geelong. Okay, it was Dangerfield Selwood. We all do that. Look at these young players that that they they've been able to bring through and and develop because of the environment and the teaching programs they come into. It really does infuriate me as a teacher, uh, the lack of teaching, learning and resources that goes into our under 23 players. Mm. I think that's a really interesting point, Rob, and one I wanted to sort of ask you on because obviously Brad Scott came in and he, he's got this philosophy of, no, nah, I want to get elite talent in. I don't want to get, you know, older blokes that are, you know, if they're not going to be there for the future of the club, effectively is is uh, you would rather mentor the young blokes. You have them develop under him. Um, the problem that a lot of us see is we have a a lack of um, I suppose senior leaders. Um, you know, above the age of twenty eight, I think we've got like three or four blokes, and you know the only real leaders among them is you know probably Dyson Heppel. Um, but apart from that, um, you know, no real like Dylan Shield. But no one that like to me screams like he has that 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 section of the ground under his grasp. He's able to tell blokes where to go and all the rest of it. Um, so like I'm all for playing the kids, but like surely there must be a, an element where you go no. But we need to set structures. We need to get you know, blokes around them. What's your sort of view, having been a coach, um, regarding yeah developing a young list, uh, but balancing that out with having some you know, good leadership around them. I don't fear having a young list. I thought Essendon significantly underachieved last year after making the finals the year before. Mm. And you, of course, we can both name, I think there was about seven clubs that went past Essendon. 
Mm. And and Essendon sadly have become a, oh, yeah, but we had a hard draw. Oh, yeah, but we had injuries. Uh, oh, yeah, the media's hard on her. Oh, we got a bad deal at the tribunal. Uh, Essendon have become excuse-ridden, unfortunately. Yep. Whereas in you, you spoke about that 2000 team and previous Essendon teams. We knew, couldn't care less about what other people thought or what the media did or what happened or how many injuries you got. You just got on with it. Um, but you raise a good point. I think you've got to just go with this young team. Um, it is a young list, and that's about list management. So we haven't uh, added that experience factor. I just saw we, we added young um, Will Setterfield. Mm. Um, he's 24, he's only played 36 games, and he's at his third club. So you really have to bracket him again as an emerging player that hasn't found his feet in um, AFL football. But he's a very good pickup for Essen because we do not have a six foot three, uh, 87, 88 kilo midfielder. Yep. And he got forced out of the midfield at Carlton because of their extreme depth in there and was forced to a winger and a half forward. He, he's a genuine inside mid, so I think that's a good selection. But he needs a good run at his career. Um, Heppel's going to be important. He won't play every game in the starting 18, mm. but I'm glad he's signed because you take him out, um, uh, Hurley's gone. There's been an exit of, of very senior, experienced players, and that is a concern, but... It's also quite exciting because a lot of these blokes now, Parrish, McGrath, they're over 100 games now. That's not a young player. Like, I, I look at games. I don't look at the list and say it's a young list. Some people look and say, oh, look, with the, the youngest age. You look at the team on the ground that particular game and see how many 100-game players you've got. And we've got quite a few. So I, I, I'm... I'm I'm not that concerned. You're not going to go and get David Mundy or Joel Selwood or to play on a half-back flank or something. It doesn't work that way. It mm. might for North Melbourne, um, but it shouldn't for Essendon. Mm. We've got to we've got to catch and kill our own. We really have to develop our own leaders. And you're quite right. It's leadership off the field, leadership on the field, or a combination of of both. And that's what you're looking for. And of course. The Geelong young kids have the great luxury. You know, that's a big difference. Our kids are as good as those kids, mm. but what a luxury to have 33, 34, 35-year-olds really in the Pete Hawkins, Dangerfield, Selwood, in um, um, Duncan, <laughs> in really, really top-class form. And that's that's a story for another day. How did Geelong keep their old blokes so fit and fresh? But... That's for another day. Anyway, uh, I haven't quite cottoned on to that yet. But um, you mentioned uh, developing our own leaders, and um, this is one of, I dare say you'll probably have a crack back at me, and that's fine. Um, so you've been a strong supporter of Andrew McGrath, Rob. And personally, I think he does have all the traits to be a, a great player. Like he, he speaks well and confidently for such a young man. Um, but in terms of his on-field leadership, I haven't seen that much. There were a couple of games this year where I thought he actually stood up for a couple of teammates. That's something I hadn't seen previously. Um, so I was really buoyed to see that. But he does have this habit of, um, I suppose, making himself rushed for time, whereas I suppose you see 
uh, more experienced players have a bit of poise. So do you think like a, a bloke like Brad Scott coming in as coach, um, who seems to have a bit more uh, sort of direct, honest than uh, forceful personality in terms of demanding a- accountability and, and uh, performance, do you reckon he can get, I suppose, more out of these blokes like an Andrew McGrath? Well, I hope so. I think, um, well, I've coached Andrew um, since he was in year nine at Brighton Grammar. So mm. I played, he played, uh, what, those three APS premierships, myself and Andrew, and um, well, I didn't play. <laughs> um, so I'm probably reasonably qualified. He was a leader. Uh, everywhere he went, he captained the athletics team. He captained the school. Um and he's always been a leader. I would like to see nothing against Zach Merritt, nothing against anyone, but because I don't know them. So I mm-hmm. think I'm qualified to say that given, if they make a change in the captaincy, please consider McGrath. Now, the points you made were a football technical point, a little bit rushed. That's football coaching. That's technical stuff. His leadership on and off the field, he's quiet but he's very, very strong-willed, very, very direct and very strong. Um, uh, um, Less is more for Andrew. He's Mm. not a a flamboyant speaker, outspoken, but he speaks sternly and he speaks eye to eye and uh, I I know he would make an outstanding uh, captain. He's not the best player in the team. He's a good footballer. Um, he's been moved to every position on the ground to yeah. try and cover uh, deficiencies. Has that impacted on him? Well, yeah, I suppose he's been wing, half back. He's been on ball. He's been a run with player, been back pocket. He's even gone up forward a little bit. So mm. um, has that impacted on him? Where are they going to settle down? He's an outstanding. And, and you look at the teams that play well. People say, oh, he's only a halfback flank. Probably Daniel Rich. Uh, look at the Geelong team, the halfback flankers. Um, it's so it's probably the most important line. It's probably the most important line for a leader to just be marshalling uh, the troops from that position. So, um, uh, well, I know he can do it, but that that's up to the leadership group and that's up to the club and Brad and uh, the football management to, to make that decision. All I can say is that I if... Um, if he got the nod, I think it would be an outstanding decision. Rob, with the um, review, and I tend to agree with you there, it would be, be a big call to make Andy McGrath captain, but I, I hear what you're saying, at least consider, because um, you want a young leader to lead this team up and into the future, you know, potentially do it for six or seven years, you know, potentially, if it was to be Andrew. But um, with people you know... Um, I'll be interested with the Ernest and Young review, uh, the opinions of uh, Adrian Dodorio uh, in terms of being the list manager. Uh, he's done it for such a long period of time and there's no doubt he's found some great talent uh, along the journey. But uh, the question that I would have at times is where's our list set up? And like we all know the club had failing, so he's probably been let down you know, with the saga and, and so forth that would have hindered his... Um, chances and this year's definitely been hard without knowing a coach and so forth but do you think he's uh time to have a change at that level or would you just keep going with Adrian? 
Oh, I think Adrian will be very much the subject of the external review. Um, he's been an excellent talent identifier, as you quite rightly said. But there's two sides to recruiting. That is building a premiership list. And mm. it's quite easy to say, oh, the, the saga knocked us around and all that sort of thing. I think Adrian came in to head of recruiting um, around about the 2000 premiership side, the 299, something like that. The premiership side was built by Noel Judkins. There was 18 players brought to the club by, of the 22 uh, by Noel Judkins. Right? Adrian has therefore had 20 years, let's say, or since to, um, to build a premiership list, the list manager, not the national recruiting manager. There's two different roles here. The national recruiting manager is a talent identifier. Go and watch the schoolboys. Go and watch that. The list manager builds a list, identifies holes in the list, uh, creates a strategy for recruiting and trading, all with one purpose, to build a premiership list. Now, he's a very good friend of mine and a work a, a work. Uh, colleague that I've known for, I don't know, when did I first, to the mid-90s. Mid mm. But I'm still able to take my friendship hat on and say, okay, yep, throw the saga at me, yeah, and we lost draft picks there and all that sort of thing. But this has been a very, very long reign, and I know it frustrates Adrian himself that um, he hasn't been able to find those last couple of pieces in the jigsaw um, to to build a premiership list. Now, now he's had to work under five or six footy managers, changes mm. of coach, changes of premier. They're more legitimate. There hasn't been a lot of stability through his, through his reign as a list manager. To me, that's more... Um, critical than looking for reasons like the saga and all that sort of thing. Um, steadiness at the helm is something that we haven't... So he's always in a different sort of environment. A new coach will come in that'll want something else. Then, you know, it's interesting, um, Brad Scott will probably be more hands-on because he's had that experience in the, in the AFL. So, look, in summary... Um, you just look at some of the excellent work done by Rob First tonight over the years, uh, Adrian, bringing talent to the club. But you'd have to say there are significant question marks on part B. And part B is the most important part, building a premiership list or building a list that goes deep into finals. One of the things, Rob, that... Um is a criticism of Adrian as well. It seems to come from other clubs as well. Is that he's a very hard person to deal with and represents Essendon. And I'm sure he got a lot of that training from Cheese. If you remember some of his requests when he was in charge, I still remember the Scotty West one for uh, Daryl uh, Walsh. Was it? Um, I remember a young bloke he played two games for Essendon. They wanted to do a trade for um, Scotty West um, at the height of his powers, but. Um, yeah, like there seems to be a reluctance from um, the clubs. You know, they certainly criticise the way he represents 
Essendon. Do you think that is a is makes it hard for us to get buy-in because other clubs seem to like Geelong and like can get all the deals done, yeah, you know, get them going. Oh, Geelong get the deals going for a number of reasons because players are desperate to go there. Mm. The environment that the environment, the welfare, um, like you're 15 minutes from Torquay. What an environment mm. to play football in, <laughs> mm. yeah. you know? Like Cameron comes to Geelong and he's got a farm. We saw that funny footage with his mm. medal round. Sheesh. Okay. They can actually go and do um, stuff that's away from football. Mm. They've got a huge advantage. Uh, well, yeah. no, it's not an advantage. It is a... Um, it's just a really good club and a really good area that attracts people and maximises them. Um, we're not exactly the same case at the moment. No, I, I, I don't agree with that. I think um, Adrian's responsibility, like Kevin was a bit more, oh, we've got to win the deal. No, you don't have to win the deal. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going in with, we've got to win the deal over the other club, and well, maybe we have looking at the, our record. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But there's nothing wrong with standing your ground and demanding what's right for your footy club. I think Adrian's done that very well. But at the other stage, um, it, it can be difficult because, like, the old days of, oh, we won, the, you know, and I'll give you this example. It, it's quite sad and a bit frustrating. It used to be funny. Uh, Essendon have won their 27th trade week in a row, haven't they? You with mm-hmm. me? Yeah. You know, yeah. but so look, it's um, it's it's very, very interesting. I'm going to leave it to the um, the review and see. I, I'm just interested. I'm on the fence. Yeah. I haven't got an opinion either way. You've asked me a question. I've answered you. Yeah. Um, um, yeah, no, so the only reason I would say is because um, whether it's the media as well, they all just pile in on how hard he is to work with. And, um, like, I, I get your point, he's representing Essendon. He wants... Um, well, he has Essendon. been. He has been in the past, but there's nothing wrong with that. No. Let them go. That's what I'm saying. What yeah. We've become a club that's so worried about what other people think or say or do. Mm. Yeah. It never used to be the case. You know, so you're right. I think the saga really made this almost become might be worried about being a, a nice club rather than you know being strong in your values. Oh well, okay. I'll ask you that. When are you going to move on from that? Yeah, that's right. Well, look, is, is, is that supporters. a convenience? Is that a yeah. convenience that you just go back to? Is that your default position every time something goes wrong? It looks no, like. Look, I, look, I take your point. Like, when was the saga? I wouldn't even know when it was. Uh, so, look, it started in 2012, 2013. So, like, and it didn't finalise until like late 2015. So, are we going to get over it? Look, can someone put a time frame on for me so yeah. I can go back to the football? Because if we go, <laughs> That's right. Look, we're all sick of it. I think. So we're up to ten now. Yeah. Is it going to be twenty years? Because in twenty yeah. years' time, yeah. um, are we still going to be saying that once again? Yeah. You've got to move on. This football club doesn't move on from anything, mm-hmm. and that's why it's stuck in a rut. And um, it's got to say, it, uh, and hopefully I can see the influence of Brad Scott coming through here 
I think this is a very good appointment in terms of not worrying about things, you know, not blaming, not seeking excuses. Just get just get on with it. You know, we're going to have a good side. Um, and as we can saw last year, um, you know, Gold Coast, um, Hawthorne went past us, mm. A- Adelaide. Well, Adelaide, well, oh, probably not. Um, yeah. Well, they're just above us, actually. I anyway, yeah, yeah well, good. Above. That was a good effort, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Adelaide finished above <laughs> us. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, I guess one other question I have for you, Rob, is in terms of, um, you know, Sheeds, and I'm sure you're one of his strongest allies over the time, and I'm sure he was great support to you, but um, what have you thought of his, uh, you know, uh, he's so passionate about his support to, to James and wanted it known. Did you think that was out of terms for a board member? Kevin Kevin as a board member has every right to fight and vote for James Hurd, it would seem. Um, um, I'm not sure. It's like the old match committee, right? Mm. Like, say if you were players Mm. and I went, we had a selection meeting and the coach came to you, Nick, and said, um, mate, you're out of the side, right? The match committee have voted and you're out of the side. And then I mm-hmm. come along five minutes later and say, oh, mate, mate, I, I voted for you. I voted for you. I was <laughs> the only one that's and stuck by you. I, I think it was a distraction that wasn't required. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, Kevin was obviously frustrated. Um Obviously, he's been a great mentor of mine, and um, so you're asking questions for me with people that not only are colleagues in football but are lifetime friends of mine. So, of course, yeah. um, but I don't make a, I don't, I don't shout that from the rooftops. I just think that um, I, I called it a, uh, I called it a, an unfortunate distraction that we didn't need at that particular time. One of it the was, worrying... To me, it was a celebration. That was I, I put a tweet out that morning. Um, oh, it's a good day to wake up. We've got a new coach. We're moving forward. And um, it's a good day to be an Essendon person. <laughs> <laughs> Pardon me. Let's celebrate. Let's celebrate Brad Scott's appointment. So I thought it came over the top a little bit and clouded, clouded what should have been Brad's day. I'll leave it at that. Okay. A last question on that kind of thing is just on James Heard. Um, one of the things that concerned me was when um, Robbo in his last piece was uh, talking about the, the failings of Essendon. Um, he made a comment in one of the last sentences, actually. He said, if um, if it's true that James was you know, led on by the club um, and he never really had a realistic chance, he will never have anything to do with the Essendon Football Club ever again. Now, that's said, strong I, I never read that. Who yeah, said it that? Was in the last line, Rob, I'm happy to get it to you, but that's the last comment he made. And we do know that Robbo does have a lot of uh, contact with James. And I thought if that's a quote from James, he, he's loved the club more than most. Um, so that last line really sat with me, you know, with Vanese, and um, I really hope that's not his feelings. I, I don't think so. I, I think he, firstly... Uh, let's just go over James. The the very first thing that people have got to think of, and the Mark Robinsons and Kevin Sheedy, this was a 
fantastic occasion that Hurdy felt is in a good enough space to go through a pressure. Now, I don't know whether he got one, two, or 20 interviews. I'm just so glad he was there. Yeah, me too. Uh, my concern is uh, a seven-year absence up against people that are making coaching development um, and emerging young coaches uh, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So to me, he gave them a head start. Mm-hmm. However, his capacity to lead, I think he's a good coach. Yeah, I think he has a capacity to be a great coach. Players love playing under him. Mm. So he had these enormous attributes. And, of course, I think um, desperate's not the right word. I think he had a great desire to come back to Essendon and um, get Essendon back on the right track. And if he had, I would have had full support. I would have loved it personally. Mm. Um, But one thing... I felt very strongly about because we covered in the very first uh, part of the program <clears throat> is that an independent external and hopefully objective group of people looked at that coaching situation and at the time I thought that was fantastic in exactly what was needed and um, but since then We've obviously seen that Thorburn was involved in that and then Thorburn was involved in picking the CEO and gave himself the job. Mm -hmm. So we're now concerned. I have no concern at all on the credibility of of the likes of Walls and and Lewis. I reckon they were great appointments, Mm -hmm. fantastic appointments. But the whole thing's unfortunately um, got a bit murky now, hasn't it? It's, it's got a bit murky, no doubt about that. Um, particularly the C, uh, the appointment of the CEO. Yeah, yeah, sure has Rob. Um, however, um, you know, to take your your words, and I think quite rightly, you, know, you can't rest on, uh, you know, or, or cry about spilt milk. You know, you got to move forward and you know stop looking at excuses. Um, so moving forward, we've got a you know, obviously a, a young list as we've t- talked about and. Uh, yeah, I think we do have quite a lot of promise on that list. Yep. Well, one thing that I I think is lacking, and I think will be caught out by this review, is I suppose the lack of that um, that that winning culture. I think you know if you get, um, I suppose, just caught up in the, you know, whether, uh, perhaps complacency is a, a bit strong of a word, but that just rocking up, you know, you're trying, but you know you don't have that winning culture to to push that extra. What would you do or what do you think are the important pillars to sort of build around a young list to like give, like sort of build that culture in to, um, you know, make them go, no, 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 um, you're not just, um, you know, playing that position, you're part of the team. And I suppose to get that, uh, to get every, I suppose, every outset of every player on the ground for the betterment of the team. How did you think the Culture of Carlton and Collingwood looked a couple of years ago or a year ago. Yeah, pretty rubbish. As you <laughs> it's actually there in the club mm. and it's in all clubs, but it's dependent totally on the people that are running the club, the standards they set. Um, culture is what you see and what you hear. 
if you see bad things or you hear bad things, particularly at Essendon, you hear a lot of things about Essendon. Right? Yep. There's a lot of politics at Essendon. So all you should hear and see at a football club is a total football club focused on improving, winning, developing, and everyone on the same track. Yep, and so culture maybe. isn't something that happens because you win. You've got to have culture when you're having bad seasons or disappointing years or injuries. It's got to stand the test of time. Now, somewhere along the line, and you can pick a year, you can nearly pick a decade, Essendon lost their identity and what they're all about. And now com people coming into clubs, people coming in to work at the Essendon Football Club, I don't think they're taught or inducted into the ways of Essendon as they should be. Mm. And the past players I know were very, very keen under Barry Capuano and um, these great Essendon people to play a bigger role in teaching um, where these people actually work. Because I'm not sure a lot of them that come to work at nine to five, not players, but see, culture's just not, everyone looks at the team. It's about the whole club. It's mm. about the from the person at the front office that you meet when you first come in to the corporate people, to the football manager. And if you, if you are divided, as it, very, very clearly we were, you only had to listen to that extraordinary commentary by Joe Watson, Mm, on yep. Channel 7, that was mm. the most extraordinary thing. We are dysfunctional and we are, we don't engage with each other and, and we are a club of silos. So mm. you've got a footy department over there, commercial department, that's on the board, it's on the chairman and it's on the CEO because they have to. So we've got a new chairman, we'll have a new CEO and we've got a new coach. So we look to see other changes, but if you don't have those five people, the president, CEO, uh, the coach, the football manager and the list manager in each other's pockets supporting them, people will perceive and see that there's issues. And unfortunately at the moment, there's a lot of issues. But I honestly believe that um, we've had one crack at getting the CEO right and that was a failure. That was a failure. For the not not for what everyone thinks. I made my position clear. This is a football club. We've gone down the commercial path. Now we've got to put the brakes on, do a U-turn and come back and play some football. Yep. Yep. Rob, cool. we know you like to watch the news and uh, we want to make sure we finish this in time for you. Um, mate, do you have a final question for Rob? Sorry. No. No, no, I, like, I really appreciate your time, Rob. It's um, been fantastic to speak to you. I, now, I suppose the last question I might have is, um, yeah, obviously, you've got hang to Hang on, hang on. That, that's the fifth last question. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, obviously, you've got a bit to do with uh, Ron Connolly on, on footyology. Um, he is quite outspoken. Yeah. He's one person who, um, you know, I, I quite like listening to because he doesn't seem to uh, really care what other people think. He, he has his own views. Um. Like, has, has anyone reached out to Ron Connolly from the club that you know of or even yourself as, no. as part of this review? 
No, 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 not that I know. We don't sort of just, we've got our opinions. I think he's a 45-year-old, ex, extremely experienced journalist. He's seen everything mm-hmm. in football. Yeah. Um, and um, he made he made very, very good points, pertinent points about culture, leadership, about self-interest, about, um, you know, how people not working together for the football club. It, it's not hard to do, but when people put themselves ahead of the game or want to arrange sort of things or they want to, um, you know, looking back at the, 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 the internal interview, like the external review, that that puts everyone on the same pedestal everyone's getting reviewed we're all in this together and but an internal review that is controllable by key people and that is never a good thing so um i i I don't know people reached out to me i'm not going to say they may have they may not have i'm not going to stay here and say oh i spoke to you know dave barham rang me out you know josh marnie wants this no I'll That's, just uh, I'll just leave it at that, mate. Yep, understand yeah. totally. Well, we thank you so much, Rob. You've been generous with your time, and um, we want to say thank you and thanks for joining us on our hundredth episode. Hope it goes well. Hope it goes well, and hopefully that's the last time I'll have to speak about that. It's only my opinion, yeah. um, and of course I'm talking about a club that's very close to my heart and people that are lifelong friends. So it, in some stages, it's quite a difficult conversation. Yeah. to have but on the other side of things um it's all about the club and it's an old cliche it's always about the club never about the individual and unfortunately our club has become a bit too about the individual nice to speak to you boys I'll all right all the best for you Robert. and um yeah let's go bombers you're listening to Don's cast and we're very lucky today to have uh scott or scooter to join us from the lunchtime catch-up uh which is obviously one of the biggest podcasts i think essendon have and um as an unofficial forum and uh yeah i'm still a keen patreon subscriber to that one and scott um when we started our first episode um you actually were kind enough to reach out and give us a few uh yeah tips and guidance and I always was thankful for that and even invited us on your show one day. So just want to say a big thank you and um, you've really yeah, helped us get to our 100th episode. Oh, look, uh, hello, everyone. And, you know, it's my my pleasure. It's uh, I love Essendon content and, you know, I I love the show and, and, and I was saying to you guys even before the show started that sometimes you're – you want to assess your own opinions and sometimes you challenge them. And, and I like listening to other podcasts and Essendon fan podcasts and, and I might get a different interpretation or, or, or how I might, might make me think or challenge myself on what I'm thinking. And I go, Oh, that's a good point, Jamie. Oh, that's a good mm-hmm. point. So, so yeah, I, I'm wrapped to come on, wrapped to talk Essendon. Uh, there's not much going on, so I don't know what, was, <laughs> what we would say. So uh, just have to fill it for a bit, mate. <laughs> <laughs> So how are, you, how are you feeling about everything? Yeah, it's been a real, um, well, what, what can we say? Like, 
we had mixed emotions. I think the change uh, or the agent of change, as Dave Barham was uh, referring to himself and was well overdue, I thought, and, you know, I'm really thankful that David had that courage to do that. Um, you know, obviously there's been some missteps, which even David, um, you know, basically admitted. But, uh, you know, I, I think ultimately he's doing it for the right reasons. And, um, you know, you know, obviously the CEO one was probably pretty embarrassing. But, uh, I mean, uh, how much does, does he have to own of that? You know, we had uh, external, you know, people uh, giving us advice as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it was a good change, mate. What's your opinion of that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, everything's, you know, uh, 2020 in hindsight, right? I mean, you know, you look at the actual timing of the the uh, the challenge, you know, obviously a lot of us you know, at 10 and, or, or 2 and 10 rather, you know, that was probably the time to push for change. I think, you know, would have got a lot more uh, fan support there. But now that it happened, everyone was glad that it has happened. Um, and Dave Barham doesn't seem the type to be mucking about. Um, now, obviously, with the CEO turmoil, yeah, bit of egg on the face. But what I liked about it was he ripped the band-aid off. He goes, okay, look, didn't work out. Let's move on it quickly. So, yeah, within 28 hours, we've sworn him in, sworn him out. Um, and off we go. Um, as opposed to just digging our heels in and, you know, potentially months later having to make that mm. call in the end, I think, you know, yeah, obviously feel for Brad Scott um, like that. Mm. Um, when he was appointed, uh, everyone was like, oh, beauty. I reckon we've got a ripper here. Um, yeah, speaking personally, I would have loved to see James Heard get the gig, but knowing it's Brad Scott, who's, you know, he got North Melbourne to a couple of prelims with a pretty ordinary list and a pretty pretty ordinary sort of resource situation, I'd have to say. Uh, it does give me a bit of hope that this guy's going to drive standards. Um, so, Look, uh, CEO turmoil aside, I think we have made some some good changes, um, and uh, yeah, I guess the only way is up when uh, we've been around this, you know, rubbish for a while. Now, I, I tend to agree. I, uh, I, it's very hard because it's you know I, that was embarrassing. I won't even deny it. that the CEO part was like every every Essendon fan rolled their eyes and went, "Oh no." <laughs> um, like 24 hours later is not a good look. I understand that. Um, but like you both said, the intent of what Dave Barham has tried to do, um, and I don't think we should underappreciate how hard it would have been to do because mm-hmm. they're, we're talking big players left the club. You know, Brasher, you've been there nine or 10 years, mm-hmm. pretty much head of finance director, kind of, you know, come president. Uh, Xavier, we know again, a nine year kind of appointment, big CEO was even flagged for AFL roles. Mm. So a big name. Uh, so, you know, truck obviously only being there two years, uh, he clearly assessed that the players weren't, um, getting enough out of his voice. That's how I kind of read it. Um, uh, then you have directors that, you know, would have aligned himself to where our path was going and he disagreed. So to then, I guess, have, you know, when we're talking four directors leave, the CEO leave, president leave, the coach leave, uh, you don't get any massive a change than that. And I must admit, you know, I'm one of those members and fans that felt the club needed a shake-up. I, mm. I think we were stagnating. I think we are going through the motions a bit and we were just, we seem to be just having the, the, 
eighth in the final and finishing 12th, you know, merry-go-round. Yeah. Yeah. And it just had to stop. It just had to find. And, and, and the perfect time was now because you actually do have a talented young list that you can shape the club with. You don't, the older lists yet. Yeah, we know our shortcomings with the, the 28 and olders. We, you know, we definitely have a shortcoming there, no doubt. But, you know, if you get a right, the right coach in um, that's strong, that has a more of a fatherly figure, set strong standards. Um, yeah. So uh, I like the change. I think it was necessary um, one quote I liked that I got from someone internal and said, well, the players might be joking, whispering at, at coaches presentations or, mm-hmm. or, or meetings anymore. Um, they'll be fully attentive and, and, you know, and they'll have a, 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 a what I call a, a rightful fear. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I, I can't imagine Nick Hind, um, ignoring Brad Scott on the bench. <laughs> no. So yeah, that will be a very big change for the players. Uh, which I think they'll embrace. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it's a good moment for the club still, but we do got to get these mistakes right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the CEO position has to get right next time. Uh, but once that CEO position is locked in and the coach is locked in, I, we become suddenly uh, a very much more calmer club and we can start moving on because you've got president, CEO, and um, and you've got Andrew Welsh joining the as a director, yeah. you've probably got a few other people that may come on and then you can start actually governing the club well. And good clubs have quiet management. They get things done behind the scenes and done well and smooth. And that's, I think, what every Essendon kind of uh, member wants. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I like the whole idea of what Brash is trying to do, but we all agreed some stumbles, but, but uh it wasn't just moving over one position. It was moving over pretty much an entire club, uh, which is takes a lot of guts. And so yeah. I give him credit for that. Yep. Yeah. yeah, Barham, that is. Um, so, <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, I mean, with that, uh, like obviously a, a bit of change um, to come. Um, uh, I guess that'll play it over the next week. So we expect the you know, the report to be released um, in the very near future. Um, and, you know, whatever will be, will be from that um i'm personally you know pretty interested in what the real outcomes will be like in terms of um the actual makeup of uh, i suppose the corporate side and then flowing down into um you know the support mechanisms for players um support for our vfl um as well as you know vflw and aflw programs um so i mean it's a lot of a lot of change um, to come, and I think it will take time. I think you know Brad Scott's um, you know laid it out pretty clearly to say it's not going to be overnight. Um, we're going to we've got a young list. We've got to give them time to develop and set supports around that. So you know personally, I look at that, and you know all of us have heard you know be patient, like it'll it'll happen. <laughs> yep. But we just have to stay the course um, this time around. I think giving. Brad's got a you know that four year tenure with that option for yeah you know, potentially up to six um, is a you know, right way to go to to back in the process and and go from there. Um, I guess you know with that, I mean we always say you know for people like if you're able to do sign up and, and be a member like because that's that's how we support the club um, essentially and um, you know at least as a member you still got a voice. Um, I'm a, I'm a 
big uh, proponent of democracy and the values of. Um, so, I mean, what's your sort of thinking and, and message to to people? I mean, obviously you speak to a much broader fan base than ourselves, but what's your sort of message to um, the fan base in regards to, the, you know, staying the course and being patient with the developments to come? Well, look, I think in the end, we have to just get start to get a bit more united. Uh, yeah. I think, I, I think, I think as a club, we have to, you know, that's that's. It is, I understand fans' um, frustration because I, you know, and it's, and do you know what? It's it's reasonable frustration. It's mm-hmm. it's it, there's a reason for it, and all yeah. fans should be frustrated the last month. Um, and but now that things are setting in place. And I think Brad Scott's personally a really good person to unite around, because uh, I, from what I hear, the players are uh, quite quite strongly. Uh, and once I get that kind of feedback, I go, well, let's go for it myself as a member. So, mm-hmm. look, um, yeah. So, uh, look, I, I don't know if you got an email, but I got an email today from the club saying your membership, if yep. you know, renewal won't go <laughs> up in price. So that's that's a start. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, but you know. There's a big challenge to the club. There's there's kind of like I see it as a, a a few phases. It's the management of the club that they're got, that they're working through now and the culture of the club. A big big phase that has to happen is its connection to the members, mm-hmm. and that's a big part of where the club has to still grow in. I suspect they want to do that, but obviously there's got a lot of things to get in place first. But that will be a, a big part uh, of of reconnecting to its fan base. And, you know, I've said before, like very simple things, like the hangar has no, no ground facilities, no seats, no nothing. You know, you, mm. uh, they ask people to go open training day and everyone has to stand for three hours and there's just no, there's no, you know, it's a, it's dust bowl on a hill kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, so it's just basic things that they can spend money on that they can just, um, ha- you know, have a, bit of a more open feel within the hangar, even yeah. if, you know, I don't know if you notice like you, you walk into yeah. the cafe and you feel like there's eyes left and <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, it's just having a different spirit amongst the club and, uh, and just having a very much an open feel and, and, and a connection to the fan base. You're not going to please everyone that not nah. with 80,000. I realize that, but you can have a much better connection uh, with a fan base and, you know, for me it's start addressing, you know, you know, key things like children and teenagers and young adults who've never seen success. Mm-hmm. So for me it's like, okay, grand finals, 2000, uh, it's the last success. So what are we 20, anyone 22 and under don't know anything else, but a club not, not performing. Yeah. Uh, and you've got to, we've got to reach out uh, to, the young adults and start becoming a, a a bit more of an entertaining brand and and a brand that um <laughs> dare I say inclusive. Yeah. Uh but yeah so it's 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 just smart choices just need to be made. Uh we've got to we we can't be arrogant enough to think that this 80,000 membership just carries on forever. If you if you're not going to have success for 20 odd years, it's gonna actually filter down to the next generation who are all supporting Geelong and supporting Richmond and supporting, yeah. you know, these, these teams. And uh, so it, we've, that's, that's for me is our next direction we've got to go to where it's, it's quite critical for me that the membership um, uh, yeah, is, is 
a much better connection. That obviously comes with on-field success as well. So uh, that's membership's got to see players consistent every week. And, and uh, uh, you know, for me, like I watch the AFLW, I love it. Mm. There's one mm. thing, their record's not that great, but I actually love how the spirit that they go out every week yeah. to play. Yeah. Um, a reliable brand. Yeah. They, they just tackle hard. Mm. They put themselves in. And and that's all that's the that's that's what we're kind of saying is like they're they're probably the most respected team at the club, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Um, so with the with also the the wheelchair team as well who are having really good success. Yeah, so great, yeah. yeah, so yeah, so it's that's just what fans want to see. They you know they want to see the men's program um, having that consistent effort. Um, we don't want to preach blue collar. We want to into action. You know, we want to. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the talks, talks, talks done. You know, mm. you you paid to play football, and you paid to the to put in effort and represent the to represent the jumper and the club every every week. So, uh, I think that's what Brad was kind of famous for with North Melbourne, with, mm. with not a such great list. And I think I, I'm curious if he does actually have a good list, what that translates to with that same mental approach and mental application. Just go to uh, the membership department. Just wanted to give you a snapshot of uh, you know, something that I've experienced. You know, obviously, when we started this podcast, we um, wanted to extend out to the club, just say, you know, look, obviously, we're small base. Uh, we don't mind if, if we could get access to anyone, even for five minutes, that so, you know, would be much appreciated. Um, I'm a 30-year member of the club. I didn't get one reply, you know, and I thought that was really poor. Like, I didn't expect them to go, oh, yeah, Jamie, here you go. You can have um, X, Y, and Z. Like, even if they said, oh, the process is do this, do this. But like, I didn't get any reply. And I thought, yeah, for a 30-year member, yeah, I, I felt like I should have had at least a response to say, yeah, unfortunately, our players don't have this availability or whatever or any anything. I would have accepted that. But uh, just a... <laughs> Not even a response. It fell a real slap in the face. And obviously, I'm not going to take my business elsewhere. I'm very aggressive and, and I've lived all my life. But, um, you know, I mean, like, it, that's our alliance, right? But, um, you know, we support the club, not the people running it um, generally. But, uh, yeah, I just felt that was a bit, yeah, a bit you know, condescending to a fan, you know? Yeah, it's just it's just a courtesy element, isn't it? It's just, yeah, that's right. uh, there's no doubt if, if someone comes back and says, you know, uh, you know, I know we we reached out not long ago for an AFLW player, and they said, "Look, we've we've just started up the AFLW podcast. It's okay if that waits a while because yep. we just want to promote it. That's all you want. You just yep, go, okay, exactly. yep, you just yeah. But thanks for your interest, and yeah. uh, and you go, okay, well, that's that's the you know, it's, it's just acknowledgement of your email, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's just and trying to explain their situation. You go, okay, um, well, we'll, we'll talk later. Yeah. So, but yeah, I so I get that, and that and it has been like that. You know, if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. um, it has been like that even with our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, reaching out, you know, there's a lot of times you just got donuts, mm-hmm. and and you shake your head because you go. Um, you know, you know, one, you know, some of our shows are hitting eight or 9,000 members. Right. And you're like, and you're like, well, what? And they're, I would class this as diehard members, right. That Mm. make the most noise. And you go, well, why wouldn't you want to have communication with that membership base? Mm. Um, and we're not a scary lot, you know, we're pretty open and we just like a chat. Uh, so uh, it's not an arrogant kind of thing. It's just, Mm. I just think it's just a, a branding and go, mm. well, you should do this because this is your hardcore base and mm. this is your, 
you know, you know, this is your social media. If you want that noise to, <laughs> to yeah. stop, a lot of those people are listening to these shows and because they're hard, hardcore, passionate fans and members. And um, so it makes sense to have that, you know, you know, when, when, you know, when we got the opportunity to have truck on the show, it was a huge response and mm. people loved it and you could hear from the coach and, um, and it was just a different questions because it wasn't SEN and it wasn't, you know, mm -hmm. it wasn't, you know, you, you knew your team and you mm -hmm. knew, you know, you could talk defensive schemes and you could talk, you know, that you're just different things that, you know, I, cause I go to training. So I, I'm, I'm able to ask a few things, you know, just how would this work? And, you know, how do you see this? How would you see Nick Cox? Did you see him as a wingman? Do you, mm -hmm. do you think he can fly float through half forward line or how to, you can ask more questions. Do you think, members are debating on and mm. um so it's just the information as well that comes across is it it's so much more valuable so i that's personally me i i think you know i've said my piece to a few people at the club that mm. that that has to change that that mm. approach and um we'll see how we both go <laughs> yeah well no it's that, it's that uh, meaningful engagement so just with that scott that that suppose engagement there and one thing i quite like about your podcast with yourself and grant is um you know, you're both quite sort of balanced in your views um yeah for better or worse and i think really you know, all, well both well, of us well, both of us yeah <laughs> well, i think mean, like look, it's, it's good to have different perspectives no no um, great great's great's a legend great's a legend um, great's a legend but with that i mean um like and that's that's gone across everything it's got like, team performance board spills um processes all the rest of it i, I do think at the end of the day you guys you know talk it out rationally uh semi-rationally we're all all a bit uh i mean we're sports fans at the end of the day right um and footy's a, a passionate game so as a yep. passionate supporter yourself um yeah with obviously a much greater uh podcast fan base um than ours for very obvious reasons um could you talk a bit about you know and obviously i'm not asking you to name names or anything like that but i imagine you've got some contact with the club um so could you talk about you know the feedback you're getting from the fan base with regards to responses to your podcast um how I suppose the fan base is feeling and contrast that with, you know, what you're hearing from the club, you know, how they're feeling about the, the review and, and all the rest of it. Yeah, look, it's really interesting. So one thing I've always liked about our podcast was me and Grant, that we can think different and we can debate differently. And, mm -hmm. and, and, but with that, you get, you know, segments of the fan base, you know, saying, I agree with Grant and mm -hmm. I agree with Scott and, and Scott's another and Grant's another. And, you know, yeah. so um, the fact is, you know, we've been best friends since grade four, would you believe? We've literally mm -hmm. been best friends since grade four. So we're comfortable with each other and, and, and uh, yeah. And, you know, I'd run in front of a car for the, for the guy. So, uh, but yeah, with that, is a, a really interesting dynamic because he'll, he has his own mind and he thinks different and, 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 and um, I'm probably a, a more analytical kind mm. of person. Mm. And, and so, yeah, so it makes for a good, good balance. So we just, we do get like, you would get the same. We do get such interesting feedback mm. as I'm very passionate, some very, you know, mm. vocal, but look, overall, you know, we've grown so much every year you go, well, you do, you're still doing something right. Uh, you still, so as far as the fan base, I think there was genuine concern um, this year with where the club was going. Like prior to a month ago, I, I, the overwhelming feeling I got was the was a, a frustrated fan base that felt like the club was just not going anywhere. Like it really was. And when I talked about that 
eighth in finals and then finishing 12th up in yo-yo. It just felt like that every year. There was just mm. a, it was just mm. like a, a glimmer of hope. Yeah. And then the next year crash again. And so it was a very frustrated fan base. And look, and we were too, like you just had, sometimes mm. this year we had to call it as we saw it. And, mm. and, and I, I know I said, you have to, I know I was podcast. I said, towards the end of the year, I said, I'd, I have to question where trucks at and what's his voice. Can he get these guys up? Because, you know, there was a, a feeling for me that you just we were starting games so flat and yeah. going, well, what is saying pregame? Like, you know, one thing Herdy used to do as, as coach, and this is not a, you know, Herdy should be coaching, but just one gift that he had, he got them breathing fire running yeah. out. Uh, and I, I missed that side of, uh, I think Bomber Thompson had a bit of a similar feel. They had an expectation, and and I think Brad Scott's going to have that as well. So mm-hmm. I, I I'm going to welcome that change uh, because it felt like to me with Wusher and Truck that I, I just I don't know from afar, and it's always it's all you can assess. It felt like the players were very entitled to do yeah. stuff themselves, mm-hmm. and they were in charge of their own performance, and and and. And it just felt like some of these young kids actually need a strong father figure mm. and, and go, no, you know, this is how we're, you're going to play and, um, and set clear standards. And, you know, uh, the, our best, you know, the guys who hit the most form, you know, Kelly for a month and shield for a half a year all came back off a midweek dropping, mm. um, you know, out of the team, they may have played or been sub that same week for, for, injuries or circumstances, but they got notified on the Wednesday that they'll be dropped. Mm. And then Kelly, when he had it, had the best month of football. Oh, yeah. Um probably, a great job. Uh, and then and then Shield had his best half year of football when he got dropped. So there's actually, you know, you need some strong son of like voice. You actually need to make these kind of decisions and and so the player goes, where is my football going? You know, what am I doing? You know, uh so I hope that changes, but yes, yeah, the fan base definitely. It look, it's a, it's still a frustrated fan base. Obviously, it's very. Yeah. We know we just. I think we're sick of being in the news. I think. Yeah. I think we're we're crying out to be the silent club, mm-hmm. uh, and just be well operated, well functioning. Uh, you know, it's like when we watch the grand final. If we're all being honest, we crave the Geelong mm-hmm. feel. Yeah. Uh, it's just contending every year. Which is insane. I mean, that's, it is, you know, that's, it's one out of a, you know, a 50 year kind of event of what they're doing at the moment, but, Mm. but just solid, silent, well-run club that Mm. demands excellence. They, no matter who comes into the club, who they trade in seems to be a twice as better player, uh, like the Sydney culture. Um, and we just need to get somewhere to that level, uh, where it's just a well-run club and there's an expectation of excellence at the club when they walk in. Uh, yeah. And yeah, so that was, that was how I grew up in the eighties and nineties. And there was an expectation that if you're drafted to the club, uh, that success would come. That there was yeah. the expectation that you worked your butt off to get success. Cause that's all what the club expected. So we haven't had that for two decades and, and then we, we really need to get it back. Yeah. Well, I think, um, you're a similar vintage of me, than me. Uh, you know, I'm in my mid forties, and um, you know, like I just, um, you know, I think match selection under a truck and Warsfold was so hard to read, and 
when we think back, he always knew who was in danger of dropping. But I think our last coaches, yeah. especially the the buy in that they just would or trust they would have in players that you know. And this, like we say, we, we understand players are people as well. We don't want to, uh, you know, add to any grief that they may have. But when you think about like a, a Braden Ham, how many opportunities he was given, um, yeah, time and time again. And you know, we didn't unearth like we had young Pat Voss, for example, showing a little bit at yeah. VFL level. Like, why didn't we have a look? You know, just to dip our toe in the water. You know. Oh, Kevin Chi would have done that. And I know that's going back in the past, but like we would have had a look at these kind of talents to see are they going to perform differently at AFL level? And sometimes players do. Mm. Especially if you have six wins and 12 losses or something yeah, like that. Yeah. And, yeah, and the year's rounding out. Yeah. Then go, hey, you know, you know, have a Vossi, have a go in and crunch someone, mate. And yeah. just, like, just, exactly. Yeah. Just have a feel uh, of the play game. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Just I'll have a that's... yeah, have a feel and yeah. Yeah, yeah. I look, I, I, I agree. Um I thought they were starting to get a little bit better because they were playing obviously Hobbs quite a lot. Uh mm. and they mm. gave Perkins a free run at it this year. Mm. Um and they so they started and then they started to just slowly introduce them to the midfield, Perkins and and, and Hobbs. So they started the second half of the year, I thought they started to address a little bit of that. Um, and play a few more guys, um, but still, it's interesting how Scott will think about this because he's got, mm. you know, we we are going to be the youngest, you know, mm. from from if reading the tea leaves between trade week. Obviously, Setterfield's coming to the club today. Reading reading between tea leaves, you, you feel like yet yeah, we are going to be the youngest side next year. That's just mm. it feels like. So, uh, like you said, Nick, before there's whether fans like it or not. You have to actually acknowledge that as a fan that yeah. what Brad Scott's coming into. There's a lot of talent on that mm. list, and I generally think there is. I I've yeah. been one of those people that going, we can't get the best out of this talent. Like you, you just I I see, you know, when you go to training and see different things, or you you know you might watch them in the VFL and just see something that they do. You go, gee, that's quality. You go, why can't we get that out of this kid? Mm. Um, uh, whether it's a Zach Reed or whether it's you know mm. other other guys. That's that's what you hope for. You just hope that we can get the best out of this young group. Uh, they're going to have ups and downs. I do get that. Uh, they are going to be yeah. They are going to be the youngest in the AFL. So, but yeah, it's it'll be interesting how Brad approaches that uh, because it doesn't sound like he wants the older players coming in. Um, mm, no. You know, it might be just a, it might be just a a, a set of field and possibly a Wiedemann, um, but still they're twenty four, twenty five, right? So it's mm. It's not really adding to the age. It's probably just more adding to the depth, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a very, very interesting. Uh, we need – you need Zach Merritt. You need Cole Langford. You need mm-hmm. Darcy Parrish. You need this group to say we're not 23-24, we're 26-27 and be very vocal. I think they really need a big change in how they're vocalised, yeah. expect, expect, uh, how they're expected to lead this year. Mm-hmm. Um, we need that core – group there for me um maybe throwing in McGrath as well to have a really hard vocal voice and matching Scott's teaching because mm. Scott needs the leadership group um to really back him up on the field uh so it can't be kind of pats on the back or anything like that. <laughs> you know really have driving that kind of vocalizing that standards that 
he wants to set through the group because North Melbourne were pretty good at that. Um, so, yeah, that's that's kind of my hope that the the guys can just get to that next level maturity of that mm. group and and really start can taking from what I reckon control of the club in some ways and saying we're gonna now we're gonna really demand and we you know how we the kids that twenty one and under we're gonna have high expectations of them when we're gonna but we're gonna do it ourselves because uh, that's really what's required to if you really want change on field I know Scott's gonna set those standards but you need that there's like a group of about eight really it's it's the it's the yeah the like I said the Langford the McGraths and Stringers and and all those that kind of age group you need them to take over and have a really serious high standard mindset that's accountable to each other and makes mm. uh and that plays in a way that backs up what they're telling the young kids it'll be interesting how um Jake Stringer because I think he's so vital to us um especially when he's motivated mm. in good health you know obviously he had some injury battles um and then we know that sometimes coming back from injury is hard for Jake, you know, you, you know, keeping that conditioning. Um, you know, someone like Brad Scott, I'm sure would probably hold him to account for that. Um, being one of our most senior players. Yeah. Now. So I think uh, that's where a strong leader is really required for someone like that to say, hey, you can be as talented as you like, but if you don't fit, you know, what I'm trying to project to the other team members, then you're going to pay the price. Yeah, like for me, Jakey, um, I've I've been on my show. I tell my frustrations with Jakey because, and if sometimes mostly the frustrations is a compliment because you rate him so much as a yeah. footballer. So that's you have to try and give it with that lens. You go, it's I'm frustrated because I rate him so high, mm-hmm. uh, and you know what? You're right. How he treats himself after an injury. Uh, because he came in good shape at the start of the year, yeah. you know? and I know he's I know he's doing the boxing at the moment, so he's he's starting that. So. I assume he's going to come in with hopefully pretty good shape again, but just the the way he manages injury comes back. Um, but look, I, I'll be honest. I felt as the year went on and was the the year was over, um, he went to a level of I'm going to be honest selfishness that I think even yep. that even Jake would probably say that's probably went over the top. Mm-hmm. Where I think everyone knows he's given a license. On a, on, a, on a number of occasions to go for gold because of his talent. Mm-hmm. But I thought he took that to another level that I thought where there was clearly had no chance of, or it was like a 2%, 5% chance. And we had clear mm-hmm. uh, guys open all around yeah. and he, and he would take that chance. That was when I was starting almost to grate on me. I was like, mm-hmm. no, you can't, you know, mm-hmm. you can't just do that. There was, there was a game in Tassie that still, you know, where he was on the boundary line and he was like 40 yards out and he decided to go around his opponent. And we literally had three guys out, three guys completely alone, uh, just waiting for a chip kick for a 30 meter shot on goal. Nick Martin's weighing one of them. And, and you can see he looked that way, but he went for the glory goal. And and that's, it was such a hard goal to have to try and get around the guy to kick along Mm. the boundary line. Mm. It was like virtually impossible um, and it ended up that way. <laughs> yeah. uh, but it was just, I think Brad Scott will have like a little bit of a, a hopefully a bit of a check in place. So look, we understand you're talented. You're running 55 minutes into goal. Have a blast. We understand that. Um, but if you're in trouble and, and you're in really heavy traffic and you can see an option, 
we've got to start sharing the ball around and get guys in better positions. And, and it's just a better look. Like there's mm. just more team area. The the one area that I think I really want to see is, you know, because we see it with Geelong's and Richmond's and that really selfless footy. That's, I think yeah. I really, if there's a brand I want to really command this year is selfless footy. Everyone working for the betterment of their teammate. Uh, whether it be blocking, whether it be, you know, it, it, all the small things in footy that makes you operate as a team better. Mm-hmm. Um, we all hear the Geelong part and guys are not getting paid as much and they all do everything for each other. And because their reward is, is, is endless. So, you know, they're going to, they're going to have reunions in 20 years mm-hmm. all together and, and half of them will be through the media and half, you know, you, you get those rewards later on in life, but you, to be, I really hope Essendon become such a selfless team that works so hard for each other and is is you know, excited to work for each other uh, and how we can better off, how we can, you know, block shield for a center clearance and block parish, you know, to get the ball, for, you know, how, uh, and it's, you know, the small things I used to see Hobbsy do that as an 18 year old this year. Mm. And, and, and then, you know, two thirds, two thirds away through the Crichton, he's like coming fourth or third, and you know why? Like you go, these you go, you know, it's like the selling thing. Like truck obviously still saw guys do team things first. I go, I know what his role was for that game. He did everything to that role that I asked him for, and that's why he's getting my more maximum votes because that's the role for the team I asked him to do. And I was just, I found it interesting that Hobbsy was like third or fourth around about round thirteen or fourteen. Yeah, that was about you ninety know, votes. And- <laughs> yeah, and 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 it's really you know it's just team focused. I mean, even Zerk Thatcher got 112 in the last 12 games votes, mm. and just but just selfless footy, just covering, pending you know fending off another guy to, to leave his man to help out with another contest. Just those small things that uh, that we need to still improve on. That 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 I think block that helps with the transition footy collapses that we have, and um, you know just. If it's a transition footy, it's not just looking for your man. Another man may cover your man quickly. I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a closer position. All right, I've then I'll get your man, and just all working as a team unit to cover those, you know, those kind of rebound footy. How we can get better defensively across the ground. And a lot of that comes to working for each other and and being excited to working for each other. Um, Am I going you, on too long? Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 you're good. good. <laughs> uh, look, we just. Uh, yeah, very grateful for your time. We know you're able to and, you know, we've probably spilled too much on ours. But um, just a quick one, um, you know, we've got a number of players that are actually at a, oh, well, in limbo, so to speak. I think it's about six or yeah. seven, actually. Um, and obviously yeah. a couple of those have some major, you know, well, I know um, Grant will be very wondering what's happening with uh, Josh Eyre <laughs> and um, obviously yeah. Katie Brand and so forth. Um Waterman, you get an yeah. inkling of what will happen to those two. In particular, those two are the ones that, you know, obviously with key position players, they can't come in as skinny young kids and dominate. They're going to take time. Yeah. Um, is there some genuine faith, do you reckon? Yeah, it's, it's in it. Do you know what? I actually thought Bram was starting to look quite good in the mm. VFL. I, I thought there were some games where he was really, really, mm. really good. Um, I would be surprised. Mm. I mean, Brand's the kind of guy for me is I think there's quite a bit of talent there. I don't think he took footy seriously enough, if I'm being honest. Mm. So when I went to the VFL, I went, you're not fit. You're just not fit. Mm. Um, 
And now he got better as the year went on. He obviously, and I saw that at training, started to do some extra laps. So he obviously got the message through, but gee, you know, if you ever want to tell a kid, don't do the brand model, yeah. uh, you can't get serious at the end of your second year. You got to, mm. you got to start off straight away. So uh, he, if he goes to another level with fitness, I, I, I would rather keep him because mm. I think he's a, I think he's a promising defender coming through mm. um, and a half decent kick at times too. So yeah, Josh here, again, moved to the back line uh, mm. in the VFL, started to show some good designs, really good athlete. Um, uh, I don't know. I generally feel like that one's 50, 50, like, mm. has he shown enough? He would, I'd like him to show more, mm. uh, as a forward, he really struggled. Um, as a back, he started to play better football. Um, mm. so really good leap, really good athlete. He's one of those guys is frustrating. You, you watch, watch him train and you go, why aren't you good? Um, cause he's got a beautiful left foot pass, stab pass, um, and his motion's really nice. He can get up, um, his hands sometimes, um, can, can give him a fault. Mm. Um, can, you know, he can be in the perfect position, get these hands up and, and it doesn't come home with it. So I've no doubt he'll look at that. Look, interesting enough. He, uh, he was at the club at around about six 30 in the morning this morning, mm. uh, working out with, a with Zach Reed and, and Zerk Thatcher. So uh, that's good for him. So that shows mm. some good signs and whether that means also that he feels like there's a position at the club, but, or maybe he's telling the club, <laughs> I'm yeah. serious. Mm. Um, yeah. I think well, for me, I think what Waterman's kind of the interesting one mm. uh, out of all this, because uh, I, I, you would suggest if, if, if both Davies come through and, and Mankara, it's going to be hard for him because you're probably looking at two and a half forwards. Like uh, Alan Juniors can play a bit more midfield, um, but then you've got the other David, who's obviously small forward. You've got Tex Wanganin, another year of preseason, should be better for the run. Um, he's a really promising player. Um, and Carr is a six foot one, six foot two, you know, I don't know what the word is, strange forward, but just plays like Waller but tall. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so it's, you know, and then we don't even know what's happening with Waller with yeah. that as well. Mm-hmm. So Waterman, I, I as I would be nervous if I was Waterman mm-hmm. right now. With Wiedemann as well. Yeah. Um yeah, that would play a similar roles. Obviously Wedding's a bit taller. But um yeah. uh, I think I'd be really nervous if we got Wiedemann in if I was um, you know, if I was thinking that way inclined that I'd probably play a similar position. I think leg speed really struggles. Um you know, obviously, our defensive pressure in our forward line was very important. I, I think when we didn't have it, it was just streamlined and teams went coast to coast. Um, so yeah, uh, that's what thing Waterman would have to work on too. And you know, I, I suspect some of my Baldwin as well has that same trouble of you know they've got great efforts, um, but you know that leg speed uh, transition, uh, if yeah. that's lacking, it's hard to maintain sides inside your, your forward fifty. Mm. Yeah, and I think Braden Ham is is probably 50-52. No doubt he, you know, it was reported he was talking to other clubs. I don't know how serious that is, but mm. um, but we'll see. Um, but my gut feel is Essendon's can with GWS, because uh just as we we're going to live on the air, Cal Toomey said that that big deal is gone through. Mm. Um, I saw that, yeah. So GWS getting the number one pick, and no doubt they've said they want Cadman. 
So that mm. feels like, okay, Cadman's gone, you know. So with Ham, all we've got left is midfielders. So that has to, and then, and you got Setterfield. Um, so I can't see Ham remaining on the list, if I'm being honest, mm-hmm. uh, uh, because, uh, you know, the, the draft is really interesting. Uh, oh, yeah. I, I don't want to segue into that, but I'm hearing these little whispers that a very high ranking draft person could slip to us who's ranked around about second yeah. um so yeah. not not Sheasel or uh but so, so there's mm. there's there's a bit of talk that mm. that he may be slipping through uh so uh because other clubs preferences but we'll mm. see but um mm. interesting like I talked to ed, I talked to Ed Pasco and he was on our show mm. and he ranked Wardlaw over mm. um the Brisbane number one. Um, yeah. Ashcroft, uh, Ashcroft, yeah. Ashcroft, That's what I mean. Yeah. Like, um, sometimes sides can get fixated on on players and they slip through to you a lot. A bit like Ben Hobbs, you know, a lot of people had him as a top five um, and he slipped to us at yeah. 12 or 13, whatever it was. So that was a massive get for us and I think he's going to be a real future leader for us too. Mm. But, um, yeah, no, really good um, yeah. insight there. Thank you. And mate, yeah. do you have yeah, any? Just yeah, I think Wardlaw will be. Uh, yeah. Keep going. Yeah, keep going about Wardlaw. Uh, I was going to say, I think Wardlaw will be a really interesting mm. player because he is the one eighty-two centimeters. So we mm. all might go. We all might go. Oh no, it's another. Mm. We've got more Darcy Barishes into the mm. side. But mm. if you watch him, uh, if you're ever listening, if you actually watch some of his YouTube clips, he's very different to any other player mm. I've I've seen. Yeah. He's the second highest leap in the draft. Oh, um, so. So he's a bit of a specky taker, yeah. But he's he's an absolute machine. Like he, if the sea ball get ball, he is as physical. Uh, you, so I watched a game where they played uh, Collingwood in the VFL. And he was best on ground, um, and just to see him amongst men and go, he's burst of speed out of a pack. It's yeah. like, poof, I'll see you later. Yeah. Uh, it's like, oh, okay. Um, he's an interesting one, and he's. He's a mad, mad Bombers fan. So yes, I've heard that. <laughs> so, uh, uh, I saw all these comments that he'd love nothing more to play for us. And so, um, you know, uh, as you say, early in the year, we told him maybe be the number one draft pick to think that uh, he could fall through to five. That would be a fantastic uh, opportunity for us. Absolutely. Um, just going back to what we're talking about some of those tools and whether they stay on the list or not. Yeah. Um, yeah, because obviously Travis Cloaks now coming to the um into the club as a VFLW coach with potentially, yeah, I believe there's part time development, development role. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so you know, I reckon yeah. he he'd be great for you know the likes of Baldwin, the likes of you know whether they stay on the list. I, I personally, I'd I'd see Brand staying on more than Air. Um, but I mean, yeah, to, so do I. So to I. to look at him and go, you know, effectively, you know. Because Travis Cloak was double teamed, triple teamed, you know, pretty re- regularly when he was out the height of his powers, um, and basically get in their face, push them around, and say you're not going to have an easy run at the footy. Because I think that's that's kind of the um, when I look at Harry Jones, um, I look at him and I go, he's got a nice leap, a nice grab. I've not seen him real take any contested marks. Um, he he seems to you know he's a different kind of player. He's not your your crash and bash. Um, that sort of player, whereas I think a, a Travis Cloak could, you know, help him help these guys develop into mm. from young skinny kids to say you need to get size, you need to get physical, um, and that's how you're going to play your best footy. Because I think when you look at those those guys, they're they're tall, they're athletic, 
Um, they don't grow on trees, these blokes. Um, yeah, and we look at the, you know, previously we were known as a bit of a sort of midfield team, uh, a bit of a midget midfield team. Um, we need a bit of height because we've seen the lack of marking power we've had for the last mm. at least five years. So I, I don't mind us taking the punt on them another year, another year of development. Um, so, I mean, what sort of role do you think like a, a Travis Cloak could bring in, um, you know, in terms of experience for these, you know, up-and-coming young blokes? Yeah. Yeah, well, see, one thing I I don't know what your thoughts are. Harrison Jones is a really interesting one, right, because mm. he's a, for me, when I discuss him, I feel like he hasn't been developed well by the club. Uh, and I, I feel like he has um, really, uh, his forward craft, there's some really clear weaknesses mm. that I go, are we teaching that? Because he likes to, you know, the come from the side mm, mark. Floating in. Uh, yeah. The float in kind of approach. But, you know, for all he's running, it, I, I watch him a lot. For all he's running, he doesn't seem to lose his opponent or have a a, a craft that gets, you know, two meters space or mm. on a lead or it's a lot of it's his opponents with him and, um, yeah. So I'm trying to work out in my head because I thought he was so much better the year before. Yeah. So I'm trying to work out did that ankle injury just plague him this year and just couldn't get his normal mobile aerobic self. And it just, you know, it just in his head, it just didn't, he couldn't get, you know, because he, he remember if you're in the preseason, he kind of re-injured it three times in a row. Yeah. It was just like, he had like a space of about nine, 10 weeks in the preseason. He just could not get on the track. Mm. And, and he would have, every time he started up, it would, the injury would occur again. And he had to go back to four weeks rehab. Uh, so it just felt like he had one of those years. And so even though he played 10 games, it, it, it I always felt like it was in his head. Uh, just to how the year's gone and how he's moving. And, and there's always, there's always little whispers to me that, you know, oh, he might need surgery. He might not. And this was halfway through the year. Mm-hmm. Like he, what it was, which told me he, you know, there's obviously some, he's feeling some pain uh, that they may need to address. So, um, but yeah, the, as far as cloak, it's really, we've got to learn a lot of craft yeah. at our club. Uh, the the person who's put in the hardest I find at training was Peter Wright. Mm. He would do extended sessions, uh, and I've I've seen with hurls or truck. Um, truck actually was really good, ironically for mm. for Wright because he would talk obviously say as a tall defender's point of view, um, about how to read the flight of the ball and and contested how to be strong hands in, in a contested feel. And Hurley would do a lot of one on one sessions with him. But none of the other guys I saw had that kind of mindset. Uh, and mm-hmm. But then you see the benefits of a 53-goal season and the Crichton mm-hmm. medalist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you see, it's just funny. It's just like in my head when I saw that and he won the Crichton medal, it's like, well, he's, he's the only forward I know of that did those extra sessions and worked on these deficiencies. Uh, so I'm hoping that's a message to some other young forwards of what that, you know, going from 29 goals to 53, you know, what that what that hard work does mm. uh, and how to, you know, uh, really work on your craft, your forecraft, how the time leads, how to block for each other as forwards, you know, how to work as a team. You know, one thing Cameron and and, and um, uh, Hawkins does really well is they work for each other. They're not, yeah. they're not selfish right. on who kicks seven goals. Yeah. Um, 
they they space out on both sides really well. They don't they're not in each other's way. We were we were constantly a very predictive ball long kicking team, and then because our forwards knew that, we all centered around fifteen meters out from goal, and we would have Wright Jones and that all flying for the yep. for the contest instead of having that separation of forwards leading on one side, the other side, or through the middle. So it's. That's to be a, a thing, Brad Scott. You know, if I was talking to Brad Scott, I would say there's one thing to have a look at that forward craft and and you know, you know, obviously it's it's merging with the midfield and how they see things as well, because you know, we obviously had the, the parish in that that would run out of a contest and just boom it on his boot, you know, yeah. and not look up. So there's it's a two-way street on yeah. how our midfield approaches that as well. Uh so but it's something we've got to get better on, but Thankfully, they are young forwards, and with some good, good off season of development, you know, you hope you can, especially Jonesy. Like it's like, okay, this is the year, mate. This is the year you got to stamp your authority on the comp. Yeah, I'm not expecting 45 goals. Yeah, but if you get to that 30 goal mark, even just be a real presence, have that one or two goals constantly kick, you know, and just yeah, just mark around the ground right up to the wing if you need to, if we need help. And just have that a much more presence in the team that will help out Peter Wright tremendously because the the the, the defenders have to honour each opponent and not drop off as much. Um, so that's where Wrighty was ending up that they're almost <laughs> almost banking on Eston kicking it to Wrighty because it was the trustworthy mark and kick yeah. for goal. So we need we need that second tool to really help Wrighty out and we'll become a lot more dangerous uh, with that. Yeah, that's my last question, Scott. Is um. Thank you so much for your time. Um, with the coaching ranks, um, we, you know, basically Brad said he, he'll like to assess what's already there and see if he needs to add. But we heard a yeah. long way out that Dean Solomon been spoken to by the club. Do you still, or do you, you know, and this may be just your gut feel, do you feel like um, Dean may be part of the club going into 2023? Yeah, do you know what? It's a good question because. I got to a stage where the kind of the assumption was that he was going to join the club, mm, regardless. No matter, even yeah. if he was aligned yeah. to the with the herd herd proposal or anything like that. But there hasn't been like a confirmation of that. Mm. So, um, which you know, in all honesty, Brad Scott has every right to mm. to not having a club assume who's in the mm. who's you know on day one who's who's his mm. team. But yeah, we haven't heard. You know, even Mark Rivet, um mm. leaving GWS today, you know, who I really, really rate as a, mm. as a person, character that you would love at your club. Um, so there's definitely good names out there. Uh, if I was him, the one person I would keep for my vision of of training is Gia. Yeah. Um, Gia, well, Gia has a really, yeah, really strong bond um, and – I would put him in a different line. I don't know why he was in a in in the uh, the def- defenders line. I just mm, yeah, it's one of my little. It was one of my frustrations in going. Yeah. You know, great great midfielder. Yeah, great. Mm. <laughs> like, why, why is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know why. Yeah, crafty forward, great mm. crafty mid. Um, have him have him around there where his knowledge is. So, uh, and you know, I I thought I. Forward line when he was coaching at the previous year, you know, with Jonesy and everyone was actually operating not too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, hopefully, he gets a better line this year. And but I, I, 
you know, there was a reason why he won assistant of the year a couple of years back and, and, you know, his, his engagement and his interaction with the players is really, really strong. They really trust him. They really like hearing his voice. Uh, so that would be one I would keep. Uh, but, you know, Brad has the luxury of, of looking at the landscape and it is usually the time of year where assistant coaches go all around each other to, mm-hmm. so, uh, to gain more further experience. So I, you know, I think Solomon would be a good get because uh, I, I think it, it it kind of feeds into the mantra. Mm-hmm. Like uh, when I when I thought Solomon was in, I was thinking in my head like, well, the you know Andrew Welsh joins the board, Solomon mm-hmm. joins the assistant. Mm-hmm. You know, Brad Johnson Scott doing? becomes a coach. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's like um, Harvard will be CEO. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but it did feel like. Um, I kind of liked in a weird way, a bit of mongrel started to join yeah. uh, key areas of the, because it's, it's where we need to go. Um, so yeah, it's, it'll be interesting, but I, I, I personally hope Solly um, can, can join the club, but uh, you're right. We, we don't know really what's happening. I'm assuming announcements will come mm-hmm. as Brad, you no doubt Brad's doing seven days a week reviewing of everything. Mm-hmm. Um so he'll he'll be going over so much videotape of our performance this year. God bless him. What a painful thing that would be. <laughs> um, but uh, but uh, but yeah, he'll be going. He'll be seeing where the shortcomings are, and and uh, yeah, so he'll be behind the ground footage and how we set up as a team and why teams are carving through us and uh, and that's the that's the excitement of Brad Scott. I mean, the excitement was I always felt like the excitement to me was his role at the AFL was literally to study all football programs and everyone and, and understand which was working, which one was not and how that was operating and, and, and engaging in every club's football program and, and going through and how they do things. And his IP is off the chain, you know, mm-hmm. of what he's got coming into mm-hmm. Essendon. Uh, and that to me was a really big bonus of a guy who understands where modern football is, what needs to, he would have a clear mind, what needs to be done. And you could tell his confidence. He had a, a, a quiet confidence about him saying, yeah, I was 33 with North on that, but I'm really ready this time. Like I, I know what I learned. I know what I did wrong and what I've been through with the AFL and looking at everyone's program. I have a clear kind of direction that I know I want to take, but with that, he was it was really good because he said, "I'm not just going to say here's my game plan. I, I I know I need to look at the list and see what the strengths are and adapt mm-hmm. a game plan to those strengths and not just coming in and saying I want you to play this way. I'll form my game plan by seeing how the list plays um, and what the list makeup is, um, and, and then and, and then forming it around that. So and he'll have the IP of clubs that may have a similar list makeup." to us and what's working and what's not. So he's got a, he's got a big year ahead and, and uh, yeah. So there's just so many, I don't know you guys, there's so many X factors into this Mm -hmm. year. Like what Nick, you know, what is Nick Cox? What is Zach Mm -hmm. Reed? You know, Mm -hmm. what's Perkins possibly is a full-time mid and, you know, uh, there's, there's a lot of talent that hasn't played much and, and, you know, you you just pray that they can all get on the park and what that all looks like. And uh, yeah. So, and we've got to pick for what coming in. So mm-hmm. um, there would, there's, the talent's going to be there. It's just, it's just may take a year or two to start really developing into a, 
a proper game plan and, and the guys maturing, but, you know, I'm hoping in two or three years time, we can start really seeing a consistent year on year uh, finals approach. Yeah. Well, we thank you so much, Scott. I love you. You're so generous with your time and sorry to take up so long of it, but um, we enjoy talking to you and we love listening to you. So um, good luck with your pod. I know it's uh, always uh, kicking goals. And I've got to say, I, I, as a as a listener, I love the uh, uh, post-game reactions because uh, they're so raw and they're real. And, <laughs> um, you know, I go to the game. I, go, I went to every year sort of game this year and, um, you know, uh, coming home, I'd get home. My, my routine was I'd be upset or I'd be, you know, like um, wanting to vent and I could just listen to you guys and just get that, you know, that, oh, yeah, it's like a brotherhood, um, you know, of how each um, Essendon cl- club member or feeling was feeling and through you guys. And, um, yeah, just so I want to say thank you for that because it, it really is like a, a little bit of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, look, it's funny, like, if you could see vision of us approaching <laughs> the microphones as we've lost by 75 points or something <laughs> and, and you know, five minutes after the game uh, go, and I'm like, Grant, I'll pay you $500 if you could do the show because <laughs> uh, I'm so depressed. Uh, it's so, it's so like, it's the hardest show to do mm. because you want to absolutely let loose yeah. like you and uh some and sometimes we just speak honestly but you know it, it is a fan reaction straight after mm. a game but that's the hardest show i find to do I because i because my nature is to analyze mm. and so i haven't i haven't got that in my head and I, i've just got i've just got emotion mm. uh and and it's like, ah. <laughs> 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 so I, i'm just like just i just want to scream or just yeah, yeah. so but yeah it's like thank you so much and um Oh, look, you know, I personally love your podcast. So, you know, uh, I listen to it every every week. So, um, so I look, I, I love Essendon content. I love Essendon family and, and, you know, for me, it's embracing everyone. And, uh, yeah. So, uh, Jamie and Nick, what you, what you guys do and, and your love for the club and, and how you talk about it. And, uh, you're probably up more my alley cause you talk so much common sense and mm. you, and you talk things through and, uh, so I, I, I appreciate that. And, and so I, I guess I want to let you know that I really respect your content and I listen to it authentically to, mm. to gain some knowledge and gain some insights that I may have missed. And, um, uh, so it, it's, it's really valuable. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much. It's a, it's a real pleasure for me to come on. So I, I know you're saying, oh, it's great to have Scooter on and, but it's a real pleasure to be on. Uh, on your show and, and and talk footy and and for us you know it's been a lot of noise and um but you know let's if, if i can tell one fan base the fan base anything it's just we've got to start uniting and, and we've yeah. got to start moving forward as as one club and and you know i think we're a little bit over with fractions and 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 yeah. and, and and other areas that may want to downplay it or or change things like yep we've made change you know, hasn't been perfect, but we've got to stick with it, and uh, and and we've got to move forward, and and I think we've got a good, I think we've got a really good playing group and coach to to start setting new standards and start seeing more attractive footy. So I'm excited. You know, my membership gets auto renewed. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. <laughs> so, uh, I'll be yeah. I'll be there, and 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 you know, I'm excited next year, and 
Uh, it's a fresh new start. It feels like a very fresh new start. And we'll see where this club takes us. Um, we've been through a lot of stuff, but so we're, uh, we're, we're ready for anything, but uh, I think, but uh, we're just ready to have uh, visibly uh, a list going out in the field, just competing really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's where we're at, but yeah, thanks again. Uh, really, really appreciate you inviting me to come on and, and lovely to chat about us and football club and uh, here's for, for good news ahead and good draft coming up and a good off season. And, we can just start talking about football only and, and what's happening on field. And uh, and to all the AFLW uh, team, thanks for, you know, thanks for playing with every bit of heart you have. And yeah. uh, it's your first, very first year and and you're nearly in, in almost in every games and probably the talent is lopsided to the other team, but you've, the, you're, you're very, very hard to beat just because of your sheer competitiveness. So yeah. uh, just shouting out to them that they represent the club exactly how we all want and uh big big future ahead for the Essen football AFW so let's let's bring it on let's uh let's put on our uh, little red and black beanies on again and and uh <laughs> and, and uh start cheering and and yep let's hope the noise stops and uh and we can just be a normal football club <laughs> yeah, beautiful great sentiment yeah well done, Scott, and um, yeah, we all always keep listening. And well done to your uh, podcast again. And uh, let's go, Bombers, for next year. Yeah, exactly. Twenty three is our year. <laughs> this is the one. This is the year we break yeah, 20, the, <laughs> the drought. Twenty twenty three is it the the Cranberg year. So uh, yeah. it's twenty three. It's uh, yeah, we'll celebrate twenty three, and we'll move on. And yeah, um, yeah we'll celebrate it. No worries. Thanks again, Scott, and um, yeah, good luck for next year. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Jamie. All the best. Thank you, listeners. Hope you enjoyed it. Sorry if I went on too long. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> See you, right.